1: Got really the first, I think, bit of adversity for the Pacers this season and uh, continued head coaching news on the Colts front. Bit of a busy Friday here. Kevin and Query, good Friday morning to you. Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, and Mark Dykton. We've got Purdue back in action tonight with Nebraska, a struggling Butler bunch taking on a very struggling Villanova team tonight up at Hinkle, so... Um, A lot of stuff going on. Again, Pacers-Hawks tonight, Pacers-Grizzlies tomorrow. Uh, good morning, gentlemen.
2: Kevin, good morning. good morning. I am super excited, by the way. Um, I mean, we have a lot of good stuff to talk about, including a big Colts interview that took place uh, last night. I, kind of a surprise, I thought. I could be wrong in that, that Jim Say announced. Um, welcome, by the way, to Nate, who joins us in studio and is shadowing us. Uh, new I co-worker. thought he said Nathaniel. Well, then he said you can call me Nate. And Then he said his last name is Finch, and I said okay, I'm calling him Atticus. So basically, I'm calling him Atticus because I'll remember that name. But um, but Atticus, who is shadowing us, a new a, a new coworker, and uh, Atticus, how old are or, or Nate? How old are you? Twenty one. He's twenty-one, so he is old enough to attend our PBR party. And there this you thing's go. this thing's growing.
1: I don't think we'll like be carding, week. by the way, at the party. So I <laughs> well, think, we, we need to. I be. think. I think the Well, that might get us good. in some
3: trouble, then, Kevin. <laughs> I'm telling you, though,
1: this. Do you this think anyone that has ever had a keg of PBR has ever
2: carded at their party. <laughs> <laughs> this thing is taken off, though. I'm telling you, we are. I don't want to get into specifics, but let's just say wheels are in motion. I was going to
1: say it sounded like based off a few texts, wheeling and dealing late last night.
2: Wheeling and dealing. That's right. PBR party in the works.
1: Uh, Again, first bit of adversity for the Pacers. You know, when you look at their season so far, twenty-three and nineteen, they have only had one losing streak of more than two games. You know, it's not like they have. We've sat here, Jake, and been like, man, boy, the Pacers, they're struggling right now. They've lost 5-6 right. or, or something like that. They haven't had those moments. And really, from a health standpoint, it's been unlike recent seasons. You know, None of their top four or five guys have missed substantial time. You had Turner with that ankle injury uh, early in the year, uh, but that was about it. Uh, it was announced yesterday afternoon, Tyrese Halliburton suffered a left elbow strain and a mild left knee bone contusion. Against the Knicks underwent an MRI on Thursday afternoon on both the elbow and the knee, and the team is awaiting additional opinion on the results of those scans. He will be reevaluated in approximately two weeks, and updates will be provided as appropriate. Uh, good news, didn't tear his ACL. And it's not a ligament damage, and you don't it doesn't look like it's season ending. Uh, but the reality is, anytime you see the phrase reevaluated in two weeks, I see that and I think, oh, he's going to be out maybe a month.
2: I would agree with that.
1: And if that's the case, Jake, the trade deadline is less than a month away. The All-Star break is a tad over a month away. If he's going to be out around a month, just keep him out through the All-Star break. And that's going to be about 20 games if you add all that up.
2: I would... I'm going to offer a... rosy overly optimistic viewpoint of this for a
1: second i thought you were like referencing my daughter for something i was like <laughs> is she awake rose colored
2: glasses i should Ka- say got it um in case rick carlisle is listening right now for part of his 90 second commute that he told me he listens each morning for 90 seconds um or kevin pritchard or chad buchanan or ty Hallibur, anybody listening but mostly for pacer fans if I had to offer if I was assigned in high school debate class to take the the pros of a key cog in Ty Halliburton being hurt, which is clearly the straw mixing the drink for everything that Indiana operates off of, it would be this. This was supposed to be a year, and everyone was resigned to the fact that it was going to be a year of a retool. Maybe not a total rebuild, but certainly a retool. At the beginning of the year, the expectations were placed by everyone pretty low. 25 to 30 wins. Thus, why you were able to put your wager at 30 wins. And things came together for them very quickly, and their young talent all of a sudden like was almost like they, they weren't aware that they weren't supposed to be this good this early. And they have played very well, and they've exceeded expectation, and they've put themselves in position to contend for as a playoff team. Not contend in the playoffs per se, just yet, but to contend to be a playoff team. And that's all wonderful. But the high level of play of Tyrese Halliburton and the number of minutes that necessitate him being on the floor, while all outstanding, it is still a year where there are young pieces that probably need some growth time in the NBA because this year is about, not this year, but still in the big picture about a three-year window. This now puts Andrew Demhard, Aaron Neesmith, guys that are getting minutes and getting significant minutes, it gives them different looks. It gives them minutes on the floor where defenses are focusing on them and they're no longer able to kind of play in the shadows. It puts the spotlight on them. And that's what this year was supposed to be from the beginning about. And this allows, while it's been fantastic, it allows Indiana to continue to not only take advantage of the good start they've had, but to go kind of back to strengthening itself in areas that probably still need some bolstering, which is quality minutes for guys that ultimately down the road are going to be needed for quality minutes but now they know what it's like in those times when they're going to have to fill in and step it up a little bit.
1: Yeah, I certainly hear where you're going with that, Jake. I think it's a bummer, though, because Halliburton, to me, qualifies as one of those guys. I mean, he's 21 years old. I agree, but I and while He's, sure, he's established himself. But he's himself,
2: had, right, I mean, that's you know, it, right? He, he's
1: established himself, obviously, as an all-star caliber player, but I think we also forget, I mean, he hasn't even been here a year. You know, it, it's kind of crazy when you think about it like that, Um, If I'm Rick Carlisle today, I hand the ball to Andrew Nemhard and say, all right, however long Halliburton's out, you're our starting point guard. Um, I'd probably bump Benedict Matherin into the starting lineup. Uh, My thought process with that is, you know, mentioned this a few weeks ago, Halliburton night in, night out. He's missed two games this season. Night in, night out, you pencil him in for 45 to 50 points of direct contribution, either his scoring or his assists. That is a massive number. So I look at that and say, okay, can Nemhard take on certainly more of the distributing side of things? Um, You're generally going to have an uptick in scoring with all of your starters, but I think Matherin gives you the best chance to try and be more of a lead scoring guy with that starting unit. And then, of course, that allows T.J. McConnell to remain at the second unit, I mean, you just, I, I have no idea if Chris Duarte is going to give you anything, but at least he would get more chances with that second unit. Um, he's been playing terrible as of late, uh, but that's the path that I would go there. Um, you know, Jake, I've probably always been a little bit hesitant on going for something this season. You know, I, I, I probably side with, I'm in the group that like, if you're going to rebuild. Rebuild. Right, don't kind of half-ass it, and then you get into the purg- purgatory that you were just in as as a franchise. And it, for how great this season has been, Jake, look at the standings. The Pacers are still in the play-in game right now. Like so, for how great this season right. has been, it still would fall into like a fifty-fifty, maybe a little higher, seed seeing how they're the seventh seed. They'd get two cracks at it in the uh, in the play-in. It's not like a guarantee that they'd be a four seed hosting. The first round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. So, I think when you factor all that in, it looks like Halliburton again is going to miss, you know, a, a notable stretch here, a difficult stretch when you look at the schedule. I think this might be the reminder the Pacers needed of all right. Let's breathe a little bit. The season's been really, really good. We like a lot of the pieces, but let's keep in mind what the big picture was back in mid
2: October. You know, we we almost I think should have like some sort of sounder. To for me to give fair warning when I'm about to make a bad analogy, but I'm about to make a bad analogy. Uh, in auto racing, if you go out, and I, I realize auto racing is not a, a, a mainstream sport, so I'll put it in Indy 500 terms. If you go out for practice in the month of May, we do have a little Indy 500 news, right? We we should get to yeah, big news as a matter of fact. Um, but when you go out for practice at the, in the month of May, and We'll say Tony Cannon. Most people know who Tony Cannon is. So let's say Tony Cannon. So you go out and you're like, man, I can't wait to see Tony Cannon today at practice at the 500. And you go out and, and he's out there turning laps. And you're like, what? he's like 20th on the speed chart. Is, is something going on with the car of Tony Kanaan? And what you don't realize is on that particular day, Tony Cannon's team says, well, listen, we we know we have a fast car, but what is it going to be like in traffic? How is it going to run in traffic when it's got a full tank of fuel and it's bogged down a little bit and it's got 32 other cars around it? Aerodynamically speaking, how is our car going to be? So they intentionally spend that day in practice telling Tony Kanan, we're not worried about speed today. We're simply worried about finding out how the car runs in traffic. Then on other days, they say, okay, we're going to put as little fuel in it as possible, make it as light as possible, see how fast we can go for qualifying. They change the setup. Boom. He's top the speed charts. Unbelievable. Each day of practice at the Indy 500, they are the car is actually designed to be tested out in different areas. The Indiana Pacers right now are about to take some of their key players that have been running with kind of a light fuel load, Andrew Nimhard, Aaron Neesmith, etc., and now those guys are getting their turn to find out how they are in traffic. When things have changed and... The, the conditions are more challenging. How good is that car? And that's what they're going to find out. They, they, we know that Tyrese Halliburton is a great player in traffic. We know he's also a very good player in a qualifying simulation. We know that Aaron Niesmith and Andrew Nimhard are guys that, that when they're kind of off on their own because the attention is elsewhere, they're very good players. But now all of a sudden, they are forced to run in traffic because there's more focus on them, there's more defense on them, because Halliburton's not on the floor. This is their chance to to work through that so that when the time comes – and you're on lap 190, you are prepared for anything that comes your way. That's where Indiana is right now.
0: Yeah. That was another random
2: metaphor Thank by you. Jake Query. Thank you. I don't there think that go. was actually a metaphor, though. Whatever. It's right? metaphor analogy. It, it doesn't good. matter. Thank you.
3: So that was well. That's what we have sound for. So I'm going to call it a metaphor. <laughs> well done there by Mark.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, Halliburton's one of the more valuable players to his team in the NBA. I do think if there's you know, a bit of a... You feel somewhat comfortable with Nemhard, albeit he's a rookie. This is what he did at Gonzaga. I mean, he he was the lead guard. He was the the point guard there. His final season when Jalen Suggs left for the NBA. Obviously, he hasn't done a whole lot of that here um, at this level. But that is the route that I would go if I were Rick Carlisle. Uh, eight games coming up. We know he's going to miss at least two weeks. Halliburton. That is the Hawks, the Grizzlies. A four-game road trip next week at Milwaukee, at Oklahoma City, at Denver, at Phoenix. Chicago, and Orlando. So that's what the next eight. Again, we know he'll be out for that. It's a re-evaluation in two weeks. So, you know, based off, I think, past precedent, seeking out a second opinion in all likelihood, he's probably going to miss more than two weeks. Sounded like okay on the Miles Turner front. He's listed as questionable with that back spasm from the other night. We'll have Kristen Area on at 9 o'clock to chat. More about this uh yeah late last night Colts news Eric Bieniemy we have mentioned him before Jake this week in the why why has Eric Bieniemy not been an NFL head coach
3: some Eric B and Raheem <laughs> oh there look at go. this that makes sense right i thought we were going yeah. tone Loke again
2: you know actually if he became the offensive coordinator they hired Raheem Morris then we'd have Eric B and Raheem right
3: well that's close that's a t-shirt in itself right there <laughs> we probably have <laughs> Isn't
2: to it? Ch- we'd
1: we'd have to change some of the tunes inside of well, now let's not get ahead of ourselves. Lucasola <laughs> staying <laughs> there.
3: <laughs> that might be like no. one of the qualifiers for being a head coach. Now, do you like Jack and Diane? You're gonna hear it every. <laughs> do you think Sunday. that's why the AFC Championship's not coming there? Do you the... bang
1: on the drum all day or just part right. of it? Yeah, we want to play Todd <laughs> R- Rungren after each touchdown. Uh, well, that's not how the Bills and the Chiefs operate. Uh, Eric Bieniemy. Late last night, Jim Merce announced that. Earlier in the day, Jero Avero, the Broncos' defensive coordinator, I guess he's. Maybe unemployed right now, considering Nathaniel Hackett doesn't have a job there. Uh, it's pretty wild when you look at enemy in that this list of teams that he is now interviewed for, um, he's interviewed for almost half the league. Dolphins, Bengals, Broncos, Jags, Texans, Chargers, Giants, Lions, Bucks, Falcons, Browns, Panthers, Saints, Colts, and he's interviewed the Jets twice. It is amazing that 15 of the 32 teams he's interviewed for and yet has still not been a head coach. Obviously, the Chris Ballard connection is pretty direct there. Ballard was in Kansas City when enemy was the running backs coach from 2013 to 2016. And then when Matt Nagy got the job in Chicago, that was when enemy was promoted to offensive coordinator. Jake, obviously, the, the questions you have with him are how much credit does he get? For what they've done, is it more Andy Reid and Mahomes? Um, We mentioned some of the -the off-the-field incidents that now, I would say, stem, what, 25, 30 years? Mostly on that front. I thought about that, Kevin. And there are some chats about, does he struggle in interview settings?
2: Um, Is that a reason why? I think there are a couple of things in play there. Number one... There probably is some truth to the fact of people being hesitant of, hey, how much of the success here is Eric Bienemy and how much of that is he's just got his hands on the wheel and Andy Reid's the one calling the shots. And I thought about this as well. I thought about this actually driving in this morning. It We listed the, and the only reason we did it is not to pick on Eric Bienemy, but because he is a name that has been at the forefront of coaching searches for a while now. He's been like a hot coordinator that gets interviewed a lot but n- but never makes the cut.
1: 15 of the 32 teams. That is incredible. Since 2019
2: he's yeah, interviewed for. Yeah, and, and, and then the question is always, you know, well, wh- what is it that's holding him back? And I don't know that this is it, but it's possible that part of what is holding him back, to use that phrase, is in fact the fact that he had some skeletons in the closet from the past. But, and it was mostly when he was in college and there was a domestic violence situation. There was a situation of a fight in a bar where he was, I believe, also banned from the University of Colorado for a year. And I thought about that and then I thought, you know what? And I'm older than Eric Bienemy, I think. How old is Eric Biennemi? I mean, I'm 50. Yeah, He's around I'm my 53. age. Okay, so I'm younger. But when I was in college, I went to the University of Kansas. It was a horrific academic performance by me. My academic record was embarrassing. I transferred to IUPY for one semester and then to Bloomington where... I didn't even finish that, and I'm currently doing so as we speak, not literally right now, but in this time period. I had Kevin, I don't even know how many l- speeding tickets, my license was suspended for forgetting to appear, because I would always say, like, I'm going to go to court and fight this, and then if the cop didn't show up, I'll, you know, it'll get thrown out, and then I would forget, and my license would be... I probably was suspended like three times for that. I mean, not for anything major, but for things like that. My point being... When I was a 19, 20, 21-year-old guy, I wasn't a violent person, but I was an irresponsible, um, no accountability person and very immature. And it would be 100% hypocritical of me to sit here and say that for somebody who is a coaching candidate that they should be it should be held against them the indiscretions that were a part of their life when they were a younger person. Now I understand and I respect that when you're hiring a head football coach, it is a must, much different representation and limelight and spotlight that is being asked upon you. However, for Eric Bieniemy, I hope that it's not the things that took place when he was in college, because while they might have been grosser errors than, say, I had when I was a young person, I had them as well, and I think most people listening can look at themselves as an adult and say, I am a totally different person than I was in college, because a large part of college is maturing yourself as an adult and learning from your mistakes, and at some point, I hope Eric Bienamy is able to be given the fair chance to show that, yes, he has in fact learned from those mistakes.
1: You know, just for clarity's sake, he did have a DUI in 2001. So that is obviously an incident that. I mean, it still was 20 years ago, though. And uh, grabbed a parking attendant, female parking attendant, by the neck and threatened her. Um, so again, I don't.
2: I, like I said, gross uh, stuff don't you get me wrong. I don't wrong.
1: act like you were doing that at Lawrence. I, I get by it. By any means. Um, but trying to get a little bit more, again, into the why and why he has not been hired. Um, curious if the Ursay family has any opinion on that. Um, again, multiple decades ago, can totally acknowledge that. Uh, but I think these are all relevant questions when you're trying to say, okay, who are they ultimately going to hire? And again, why has Biennemi not gotten a head coaching job? Because if you just strictly went off of one of the greatest offensive performances over the last, you know, multiple, multiple decades in the NFL, the Kansas City Chiefs would be near the top of that list. Andy Reid, of course, is a big orchestrator of that. Uh, I think it's thought that Andy Reid is the main play caller there. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes helps a whole lot, but Chris Ballard respects Andy Reid a ton and has seen Eric be enemy up close. So uh, that is the first, I think, major Chris Ballard connection you see on the list so, so far, three head coaching interviews for the Colts: Bubba Ventrone, Giro Avero, and then Eric Bieniemy. And now we get into, I think, a trio coming up that I think a lot of fans have some interest in, and uh, the reported interviews today for Raheem Morris, the Rams' DC. Ben Johnson, the Lions' offensive coordinator. And then tomorrow reported that it'll be Shane Steichen, the Eagles' offensive coordinator. So if you look back at that original list, the only name we have not seen either get an interview or reportedly get an interview is Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator for the Lions. We did have another extremely vague Jim Harbaugh back and forth yesterday. With the higher-ups at the University of Michigan, for those that missed it, uh, Santa Ono, which in NCAA president names has to be near the top of the list, if not at (laughs) the top of the list, issued this statement.
2: His first name is literally Santa?
1: Cracked, yes, Kringle. Uh (laughs) Santa Ono here. I'm pleased to share that I have been having very positive and constructive conversations with our athletic director and football coach. Ward Manuel and I, that would be the AD, both want to see Jim Harbaugh stay as the head football coach of the University of Michigan. Hashtag go blue. Jim Harbaugh's response to that, I am in full support of President Ono's message to our fans and appreciate his support of me and the team. Jake, as I saw on Twitter yesterday, that reads of someone texting the other one, I love you, and the response being, thank you. I would agree with that. But who doesn't love Santa? Right? Well, you would think Harbaugh would respond, I love you then. If right. you love Santa instead. He goes, Well, thank you. The, the Harbaugh thing is just, it, it honestly is par for the course. Of He's who just he is. an odd bird,
2: yes. Great football coach and He's a nice so guy, but an uh, odd so bird. so odd, all of it is. Yeah. Well, what are these statements? <laughs> They're so vague. I mean, he is Screech's cousin from Saved by the Bell. Right. Someone sent me that
3: clip yesterday. I hadn't seen it in a while. It was a good watch. Do we have that, Mark? The Screech Saved by the Bell thing? <laughs> yeah. I can find it, I'm sure. I, I, I can look for it during the break, Mark. It's
2: fabulous. Yeah, just, I mean, Screech, for whatever reason, is dressed, for those that are unfamiliar, from Saved by the Bell. I'm guessing it was like 94 or 95, because Screech is dressed in a full Colts cult outfit. Yeah, Colts uniform. And Harbaugh just walks in. Mr. Belding's like, look who I found in the hallway. Screech's like, yeah, it's my cousin. You know, Saved by the Bell began in Indianapolis, right? Really? Do you know that, Mark? No. The initial series or the initial season of Saved by the Bell, it began as a show called Good Morning, Miss Bliss. And it was most of the same characters, but it was fictionally set in in Indianapolis. Southport High School? Yeah, they... The, at one point, the only real reference to Indianapolis is at one point somebody says to Screech, like, "Why don't you go trampoline off the RC, or off the Hoosier Dome?" And that's like the only time they really reference. And then all of a sudden, they just magically everybody, the entire school, up and moved to Bayside, California. Is that more knowledge than you need? Can you tell that Saved by the Bell was on when I was in college? and Everybody just sat around instead of going to class and watched Saved by the Bell.
3: It sounds like the so Good Morning Miss Bliss, also retroactively known as Saved by the Bell, the junior high years. I never even knew that. Yeah. Fascinating.
2: See? Same cast. Mark, what do we do on this program?
3: We educate and entertain <laughs> about 80s television. I think that's 90s, actually. No, it says it ran. Well, Good Morning Miss Bliss ran from 87 to 89. Okay.
2: Kevin has the smirk on his face. Uh, <laughs> like, what am there's I? There's like three, into? three
3: people from Say by the Bell on there. Meanwhile, Nate Atticus, I believe, is falling asleep. I don't blame him. To be honest with you, so we're talking about something that was should like be 30 years before he's born. You <laughs> that, make anything of these Harbaugh comments?
2: I think Jim Harbaugh. I don't make much Kevin of any when it comes to coaches or athletes maneuvering themselves or putting themselves in the best financial position. I don't make much of comments because everybody's going to toe the line to make sure that if things don't work out, they can stay where they are. But if things do work out elsewhere, they're not a complete... So know, is that
1: all this is? Just a money-driven contract thing? It seems to be no, quite I think Jim, ploy. Here.
2: I think Jim Harbaugh would like to get back to the NFL but if for some reason the NFL doesn't want Jim Harbaugh back I th- or if it doesn't work out he wants to also be able to he wants to basically have his cake and eat it too right I don't blame him
3: for that I, I don't know if I'm in the camp that like you hire Harbaugh and it cures all I think if anything it, it accelerates it because he's usually got like a four year window so any, and if, if you're hiring him you better be ready to win now and all that because I feel like well there's going to be a four year window before he kind of you know good luck with that runs out yeah exactly
1: So we'll Uh, see again how all of that plays out Uh, on the Colts' dock today. Raheem Morris and Ben Johnson, the two candidates. Again, Purdue-Nebraska tonight, a 7 o'clock tip from Mackey. That was kind of an ugly first game in Lincoln for Purdue. Fletcher Lawyer, big in that game. Zach Eady, relatively quiet from a scoring standpoint, uh, but obviously one of your easier Big Ten games. On paper tomorrow, Indiana, Wisconsin. Tell me, you guys saw who's on the call for that one? Nothing sums up IU basketball right now. Like, who's on the call for that one? Spiro, D- <laughs> is it Spiro? <laughs> Bill Rafferty, Jay Wright was Spiro <laughs> leading the way there on CBS.
2: You know what would be nice is if Jay Wright, if that game's in Assembly Hall, right? Correct. They should. Take Jay Wright around and say, you know, this is a really nice-looking building, isn't it?
1: Since Kelvin Sampson's final season in Bloomington, Wisconsin has won 24 of 27
2: that, that is, let me against the Indiana Hoosiers. If you talk to players that played for Bob Knight, I know I'm going way back. If you talk to players that played for Bob Knight, they will tell you that one of the things that Bob Knight preached more than anything else was we've won like 26 straight against Wisconsin and Northwestern on the road and you guys are not going to be the first team that snaps that streak. That was so emphasized and it literally was like a free, it was like, oh so Indiana's 8-1 and one in the Big Ten, well they'll be 10-1 and one then because they go up and they play Wisconsin Northwestern in the two-step. That was the biggest layup in the history of basketball. My oh my how things have changed.
1: 1 o'clock tomorrow from Assembly Hall there. Uh, Derek Carr, any interest on that front? We can chat about that uh, Greg Ragstraw is going to join us at 8. Christianary at 9 o'clock. Nice start to this Friday morning here in Indianapolis. Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, Mark Dyke, and Nathaniel as well in studio with us. 93.5 107.5 The Fan.
0: The Morning Checkdown. Brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
2: Kevin, oh sorry, Kevin, go ahead. I was just saying, we, we got were got just a lot of, talking about, uh, you know, how smooth we are, and you guys have great chemistry, and, and the, uh, just fumble uh, right. all over each Dominate other. Dominate right. the
1: mic, exactly. That's right. Uh, we got a lot of hoops tonight. Uh, up at Hinkle, it's Butler and Villanova. Boy, Villanova is really struggling without Jay Wright this year. Obviously, per, or Butler's have their own struggles. Uh, then up at Mackey, Purdue and Nebraska. Again, an ugly first game in Lincoln. Purdue won that game in overtime. Fletcher Lawyer, very important for the Boilers. There And then over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, it's Pacers and Hawks. And Jake, the latest on Tyrese Halliburton as he is going to miss at least at least two weeks.
2: Yeah, he'll be reevaluated at that point. And I agree with what you said earlier, Kevin, and the fact that it would kind of seem like the tea leaves indicate that it's going to be a little bit more than that. But again, I don't know that there is a haste and urgency because I do think that there is some to be gained by other guys. getting. I mean, great player, and you want him out there, don't get me wrong. But at the same time... I think that they have the flexibility, and they put themselves in position to buy themselves a little bit of time if need be. How about
1: Butler is actually favorite? Tonight? Can you imagine saying Butler will be 10-8 and eight on the year and they'll be favorite over Villanova? One and a half. Purdue is a 15 and a half point favorite against Nebraska. Uh,
2: auto racing news. You had mentioned it earlier, Kevin, so let's get into it. Kyle Larson, who is one of the most versatile drivers in auto racing currently and has become a fan favorite, a NASCAR season cup champion. Now will in fact run the Indianapolis 500 or attempt to do so, I should say, for Arrow McLaren. That that announcement came yesterday. That makes for a five-car team of Aero McLaren trying to qualify for the 107th Indianapolis 500 in May. Tony Kanaan, Alexander Rossi, Pata Award, Felix Rosenquist, and now Larson, who will attempt the double, running the Charlotte 600 race that night. Now I thought for this is. Did I see this wrong? I thought it was 2024. Uh, I think it was I think it's this
1: coming year, isn't it? I thought no. it was
2: the five
1: we we're five hundred days out from the twenty, oh, that's, 20 that's, twenty-four five hundred. Hold on.
2: This uh, would I, be this would be terribly embarrassing if I read that wrong. I was confused initially.
1: This says Cal X right. right. and
2: Coca-Cola six hundred. I think originally they said twenty-three because I'm not I'm not gonna say the name of somebody and embarrass them, but somebody else who works within racing called me yesterday and was like, How are they gonna do five cars in May? <laughs> And that was the conversation I had. So you're right. It
1: is 24. So, Jake, break down this time and math for us. The race gets over. We haven't seen this since, what, Kurt Busch in 2014? I thought for sure it was this year. My apologies. I Trust me. When I, when I first saw it, I'm like, wait, 2024? But, yeah. Uh, break down the time for us on this.
2: The race gets over at, what, 3-ish? Well, that's what's interesting is if you were to win it, right? So Kurt Busch was the last to do this in 2014. And
1: had a very nice performance.
2: Yeah. So the race would end, you know, assuming that they continue to do what they've done in in terms of the start time like last year. Race ends around 3 o'clock. So you basically, they get out of the car and go essentially right there to a helicopter, usually, that is in the infield. Take the helicopter usually to probably either Eagle Creek or Fisher's Airport where they get on a private plane or Indianapolis International, but to a private plane and then fly straight to Charlotte. Uh, Land in Charlotte probably around I don't know what, 5, 5.30, and go straight to the racetrack in Charlotte and get in the car and run the double that begins – I'm not sure what time that race begins at night. 6-ish, 6.30? I was going to say 6.30 or 7. Um, it's not an easy thing to do, obviously. That goes without saying. I know Robbie Gordon one year crashed at Indy, came out of the infield care center, did like – you know his obligatory five minutes of interviews or whatever, and then walked literally right there to the helicopter, got on it, and was gone, and ran that night in Charlotte. Tony Stewart's done it as well. John Andretti. John Andretti's done it, so uh, it's a pretty cool thing. It's pretty fun. I, I my apologies. I, I don't know why I was thinking that was this May, but and that's a huge name.
1: I mean, for those that well, don't, the biggest. I mean, that I, mean, is, I mean, Kyle Larson is a huge name.
2: Kyle Larson is from the time that he began. You know, racing and, and winning races as a teen coming up through the ranks, he was winning literally in any car that he gets in, he has won. He got into trouble a couple of years ago when everybody was doing the iRacing thing. And on a hot mic, he used a slur that cost him his ride. And then he he got his way back into NASCAR. And one of the most dominating seasons that you'll see and won the points championship. But he is a guy that has been targeted and thought of for this. Robin Miller, I can tell you. Robin Miller, the first time that he saw Kyle Larson told me, he said, Jake, I just saw Mario Andretti, A. J. Foyt, and Parnelli Jones race, and it was all in the same guy hmm. in one race. Wow. So he is he is that highly thought of in terms of his racing acumen. That is high praise. For sure. And, and most people in the paddock would agree with exactly that Six synopsis. Six
1: wild card games coming up this weekend. We'll go over the schedule in a little bit. Get back into the Colts conversation. Again, for those that have been looking at the candidate list, a name that we probably we talked a little bit about it on air, but it wasn't necessarily known that he would interview. Uh, we'll explain that. That was last night for the Colts. But coming up the next couple of days, you've got some names um, that I think have probably the most decorated of the resumes so far. We'll explain that more coming up next here. Kevin Aquari on a Friday. Uh, Yesterday, Percy told
2: me
4: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long, live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
2: That, Mark, one of the more underrated parts of this program is your fire reentries that you select. Well, thank you. I would agree. Quite the DJ. There's um, always something there. He doesn't just play it to play it. He's the music coordinator, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, occasionally ascends himself up into Mark the. The coaching, you know, you the move a wrong liar. That's right. Thank a, you. Rare right. error. I should say, in the coaching quarters. That's what Eric Bienemy, among others, would like to do. Uh, a lot of moving parts when it comes to the Colts right now, Kevin. In terms of trying to determine not only the head coach but the route that they might go at quarterback as well, because we now know that a guy like Derek Carr is <sighs> going to be moving <sighs> on. I, I'm with <sighs> you. There's no way they go that route, right? <laughs> no. You. you know the Michael
1: Scott gif. Just no, 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 no. Yeah. Yes. That's my thoughts. And I think Derek Carr is a fine quarterback. Fine. But you look at the money. You know, like this, uh, of all the retread things the Colts have done at quarterback here over the last couple of years, the Carr situation has the most commitment to it financially. Um, Field Yates, who we're hoping to have on the, on the show next week... Um, from ESPN, he tweeted out these figures yesterday. It's just astronomical to look at it. Derek Carr, over the next three years, his base salary, $31.9 million, $41.9 million, and $41.3 million. To get a guy that, what, has been in the league for a decade has played one playoff game? No, thank you.
3: The problem is that the, whatever happens with Derek Carr, if he does get moved, uh, that will have effects on what the Colts do in the draft because the Raiders have the seventh overall pick. So you'd think if they move they move Carr, they'll be itching to move up to get a quarterback in the draft.
1: Now, it's a great point, Mark. And there are some teams, and you mentioned this briefly yesterday, just behind Indy, that I think we have to keep an eye on. You know, Seattle's got two first-round picks. Mm-hmm. You know, what does Carolina do? You obviously brought up the, the Raiders, again, Chicago is just in a golden golden situation where they don't need a panic they've got desperate teams lined up behind them and they can dangle that number one pick and say who wants it and how willing are you to trade up for that so I am of the opinion that Derek Carr the last thing I saw someone mention yesterday I'm picturing a Colts off season of Derek Carr, Jeff Saturday and a drafting of left tackle at number four <laughs> hey. Would that be a jump off the monument?
2: I mean, that would be... I do like Derek Carr. I, listen, I can't sit here and be somebody that backtracks on what I've said previously on this show. I, I love the leadership of Derek Carr. He's a fine quarterback, Jake, but he, no. He is, but, they, but he has had talent. And, you, you know, and Arguably his time, best running back wideout duo in the NFL last year. It's time for the Colts... To reset it. I mean, there's no doubt. At some point, you've got to do it, and I understand that it's it's time to get going, right? Uh, any of these coaching candidates stick out to you at all so far?
1: Again, three interviewed Bubba Ventrone, Ajiro Avero, who, ironically, if you look at Avero, he's the Denver defensive coordinator. He coached on the offensive side of the ball under Jim Harbaugh in San Francisco for a few years, Eric Bienemi interviewed late last night and then reportedly today raheem morris dc with the rams offense coordinator ben johnson with the lions and then tomorrow shane Steichen, offense coordinator from the eagles any of those jake stand out to you
2: i'll tell you disingenuous for me to sit here and say that i know the ins and outs of every coach right and there are certain coaches that we don't know much about them or their abilities until they ascend into the head coaching position and then you really, you know, you get a feeling, you go, wow, you know, how do we miss this guy? And sometimes coaching is a lot more about, you know, what is it they say? More about the Jimmys and Joes than the X's and O's, right? I mean, look at Sean McVay. He was the greatest thing in the history of coaching a year ago and then this year they're the Rams, the bottom falls out. Injury's a big part of that. He doesn't have as many players. And now, is he going to continue to coach? Still got Mrs. McVay. Now, <laughs> having said that, uh, the guy that, that actually, Kevin, you probably have sold me on without even realizing you have, a guy that I'm pretty intrigued by is Raheem Morris. You know, I remember when he was the head coach in Tampa... 32 years old, by the way. He was young. Then. And, you know, Stephen Holder, for example, covered those Tampa teams and speaks very highly of him. Um, and I trust Stephen's opinion in that regard. This has nothing to do with coaching acumen, I realize, but my cousin lives in Tampa and is a huge Bucks fan. Season ticket holder, the whole deal. Arr. Arr. And <laughs> look at you! Arr. You like doing the pirate voice every once yeah. in a while? You know,
1: voice? as soon as I said that out loud, I'm like, oh, jeez, <laughs> Jake loves pirate voices. <laughs> that, that was just... Uh, what we a big had, Friday mistake, Yesterday, I
2: mean. we, we've had increasing chatter for requests
3: for my British voice, by the way. But I think that was one of your burner accounts. Yeah, I'm that not, clearly, not convinced that was some actual I person.
2: I, I don't have a b- b- burner account. Oh my um, Valerie, my cousin, used to talk all the time when he was there about what a great guy Raheem Morris was in the community. That doesn't win you football games. But I think it shows... A leadership slash maturity about him that maybe didn't translate into the football field as a young person. But I think that he does have a reputation as being a really good leader that is probably ready to again try his hand at head coaching.
1: You know, something I thought about with the Bienname move last night, Jake, and this might be a tad galaxy brain, so I apologize if it is that. But what's one of the knocks on Eric Bienname? How much say does he have in Kansas City? Right. How much is he really stirring that, sh- you know, right. drink? Like, it, you know, is it all Mahomes and Reed? Well, what if you hired a Raheem Morris as your head coach and then Eric Bieniemy came here as the offensive coordinator and called the plays? And he ran the offensive show. He got out of the Kansas City cloud. Does he view that as, hey, we've had unbelievable success here in Kansas City, won a Super Bowl. Hell, they might win a Super Bowl here in the coming weeks but do I feel like to finally get that head coaching job I've got to get out of this situation prove that I can run the entire offensive show and maybe that will open up some eyes that is something I think to keep in mind with some of these candidates Ajiro Avero which I'm always having trouble the same. the candidate that was interviewed yesterday afternoon again defensive coordinator in Denver last year well look at Denver right now they're looking for a head coach so seemingly Avero is is free um would he make sense if you hired more of an offensive-minded head coach there? So I think some of these, yes, they could be head coaching candidates, of course. But also, if you hire predominantly one side of the ball or the other, these guys could factor into coordinators. And I do think, you know, look at what happened to Matt Eberflus here. He ran the show defensively. That was his baby. Frank Reich didn't even touch it. And what happened? He was able to parlay that into a head coaching gig. You know, do do people view that opportunity here in
2: Indy? If you're Eric Bieniemy, why though would you leave being the offensive coordinator where Patrick Mahomes is your pilot?
1: Because he haven't gotten a head coaching gig in four
2: years. But I'm saying to be an O if you were saying like if he to be an O coordinator elsewhere, I mean
1: but to call the place. And to be Fair. the one that, that's really leading that. I think a lot of people, rightfully so, think that Andy Reid is the guy there. And that has kind of stunted a little bit of, you know, how much people have belief, I guess, in Eric enemy So I do think that is something to uh, keep an eye on. I saw a report yesterday. I meant to mention this a little bit earlier. Um, we've, we've talked Pacers, a little bit of trade deadline. A guy in the building tonight that I think is frequently mentioned with the Pacers,
2: John Collins. I was just going to say John Collins, who they could have had in the draft, right? He yeah, the old TJ. Leaf over John Collins. John Collins, when he went through the draft process, the question marks about John Collins were his commitment and his maturity. Now, obviously, uh, interestingly enough, those are two things that ended up doing in TJ. Leaf, quite frankly. I, I don't know that you know TJ. Leaf was asked by the Pacers to do some things in the off seasons that he declined or was going to do on his own and, you know, just kind of never worked out for him. And I think at UCLA had they – and I'm sure the Pacers did do their homework, don't get me wrong, but I think that there was some question about T.J. Leaf um, in terms of his just kind of being a pain at UCLA. Um, So choosing that over John Collins is interesting, but Collins has been a good player for Atlanta.
1: And I do think that is a bit of a missing ingredient for Indiana. Like when O'Shea Burse was out the other night, I'm thinking to myself, who the hell is going to play the four? Yeah, because Neesmith has been a guy that's played with, with that starting unit. The Pacers is really by, gotten
2: small. I'm intrigued by this year when Tice gets healthy. What if they play him or what they what they do with him?
1: Yeah, John Collins was a name kind of thrown around there. Um, so tonight, inside of Cambridge Fieldhouse, Pacers are a three and a half point underdog. Last I saw, again Tyrese Halliburton out for two weeks for those that missed that update will be re Kristen kristin airy going to join us in about an hour to talk more about that a recent broadcaster of the year correct Kristen. indiana
2: Air? sportscaster of the year correct bob kravitz
1: on the written side well deserved for both of those parties uh speaking of someone that i'm almost positive has won that award greg rakstra is going to join us next year kevin and query on a friday 93.51075, The Fan.
2: 8 o'clock hour underway. Jake Query here along with Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykton is flying the ship for us this morning on a Friday. Hope you folks are set for fantastic weekend. Pacers-Hawks tonight over at the Fieldhouse. And then it is Memphis. And what I understand is a sellout tomorrow night for John Morant. No Tyrese Halliburton. We now know that that is going to be, at minimum, a two-week stint for the Pacers without their point guard And no
1: back-to-back for Memphis tonight. I know some people that probably bought tickets thought, I want to see John Morant. Good news with no Friday game. Not good for the Pacers, but Memphis with all those Indiana connections. Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Conchar and Desmond Bain and uh, Jake LaRavia. Uh, definitely one of the more anticipated home games the
2: Pacers will have all season. Been a lot of ticket requests for that, I can assure mm. you of that. Uh, joining us now on the Payless Liggers Hotline, he of course... You heard him on these airwaves, often after Colts games, as part of the Colts post-game show. In addition to that, with the ISC Sports Network covering all kinds of high school sports, Greg Raikstra joins us. Good Friday to you, Greg. Good morning, my friends. How we doing? Uh, we're, we are, I guess, grammatically correct, we would say we are well, right? Is that right? No, we are good. I'm doing well, but I am good. I guess that would be correct. But uh, nonetheless, let's begin with this. Colts coaching search. Eric B last night, I was... Kevin and I were talking about it. His name has obviously been around for a long time. I believe that's the 15th franchise now that has interviewed Eric Bieniemy for a head coaching position. I hadn't necessarily heard ahead of time that he was one the Colts were going to bring in, but Jim say announcing last night that they had conducted that interview. What's just overall your temperature, if you will, on the coaching search, Greg?
5: That um, the Colts should take their time on this, and by all accounts they are. You know, I want them to bring in as many different candidates as possible to kind of run the spectrum of, you know, let's look at who's out there. Um, again, knowing that you're thinking it for their going quarterback, I would lean more towards an offensive-minded coach than a defensive-minded coach. And I clearly think that's been the trend for the for a while in National Football League that. You know, a guy like Matt Eberfluss going to the Bears is almost the exception to the rule of having a defensive-minded head coach or a head coach with a defensive background first. Uh, But take your time and and get this right. Now that you've determined, hey, this is going to be Chris Ballard going forward, and you kind of know what the needs are for this group already, you don't have to be as, to me, as rapid fire in terms of, let's go to the next hot prospect in as the head coach. Go through the process. Get as many people in here as possible to try to find the right guy to, to lead this group going forward.
1: Right on that front, um, you mentioned Chris Ballard kind of leading things right now. Thomas brought this up to me. If Jim Harbaugh was interested in this job, would he be talking more to Jim Ursay though? Because potentially that would impact Chris Ballard's future here?
5: Um, that is certainly a potential. Uh, And I think that any of the guys that have previous experience, let's face it, okay, the two headliner candidates, I mean, they're the best fit here. Uh, I think Harbaugh's more of a uh, a great fit than than Sean Payton would be. But those two, you know, top candidates probably want to bring in their own personnel guy. And, you know, is is that completely off the table? I wouldn't think so. Um, But let's face it, okay, If, if Jim Harbaugh wanted the job, and reach out to Jim Ursay. would Jim spear that over Chris? Certainly, potentially. Do I think that would get in the way of Jim getting the job here as in Harbaugh? No, I do not.
1: Kenny's okay, he's Greg Rangstraw. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline, ISC Sports Network, uh, Marion County semifinals and finals coming up this weekend. We'll get into the high school section with Rake here in just a few. Uh, one more Colts one from me, though. Um, personnel wise, obviously, quarterback, we, we don't need to go over that in terms of the importance, and that clearly being number one on the offseason list. Outside of QB, I mean, Chris Boward said earlier in the week that it feels like Bernard Ryman's a left tackle of the future. What position would you put number two on the list behind quarterback?
2: Either
5: cornerback or wide receiver. Um, and, and, and let me again explain, because the other obvious name of the quarterback from how this team played was offensive line. Um, I still think the offensive line is, is largely going to be together next year. Again, you've got you know Ryan Kelly under contract. You've got Braden Smith under a lengthy extension. You've got Quentin Nelson under a lengthy extension. I couldn't intelligently tell you how Will Fries played in, in coming in for the right guard position in comparison to the variety of options they had at right guard during the course of the year. And so I, I just don't see them, you know, saying, okay, quarterback is one, offensive line is two. Those are things that have to get better. I'm not sure that correlates to the draft order. And so corner becomes a need depending on what happens with Stephon Gilmore. Wide receiver is a need. Well, because wide receiver has been a need for some time. And, and if you're not going to dress in free agency, which the Colts might in March, then I think you're looking at that in terms of the, um, you know, in terms of early in the draft, and it'd be, it'd be a similar time, if not a little bit sooner, than say you got a guy like Michael Pittman Jr., who clearly is a key part of your offense going forward.
2: Greg, every team seemingly says after the draft, the board fell exactly as we thought it would. That's exactly how we thought it would be, and we got the guy that right. you know. They all say that. There are really two two schools of thought. And everybody says that typically they just go with, like, best player available, da-da-da. Has Chris Ballard been more of a draft-to-needs or best player on his board at time of draft guy, and will he alter the direction in which he has typically gone?
5: Well, what I will say is this, is that I I think that the, uh, the needs will match the board. How's that for a draft cliche for you this year? Um, because again, the Colts have not been in this position since 2018. And when they were in this position, you had Andrew Luck. You didn't have to go out and, you know, you, you weren't reaching for a quarterback. So you know, let's face it and Kevin, correct me if I'm wrong, the, the position that the Colts had at three and the trade with the Jets became Sam Darnold, right? Yes. uh huh. And, and hindsight would tell you, perhaps that was a reach not by the Colts, but by the Jets to draft him at three. And so the Colts have not been in that position. And let's also face it, the last two times the Colts have drafted a quarterback, they've been at number one when you clearly kind of know who the guy is going to be. And the Colts also have the good fortune of drafting a quarterback in drafts like one that had Peyton Manning and Andrew Locke, where you're going to be set for several years, you know, once you made that pick. There is not that certainty at four, but it's still a spot where you go, all right. What the Colts need and where you could get that sort of player, you're hitting that intersection of those two points. So I would say Chris has been more of a draft the best player available by investing in a left guard at pick number six. Uh, and the other example would be last year, where the Colts we all thought had a pretty glaring need at left tackle. You know, they brought in Eric Fisher as a stopgap, but in a in a draft that was very you know heavily. Tackle-oriented, Quiddy Pay was the guy that was brought in. And Quiddy seems to be a pretty solid player. But there's also a guy, for example, named Christian Derisaw that's a starting left tackle of Minnesota Vikings. I think he's basically started every game in the last two years. He was still available when you know, the Colts were on the board last year. So I would say typically Chris has been the guy that would draft the best player available. This year, I think best player available and need – or could be one of the same, and that's generally where you hit your sweet spot in terms of the draft.
1: Greg, Greg Shaw is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline ISC Sports Network. Rake, shift gears, uh, mentioned it earlier, the stat is rather astonishing, 23 of 27, that is Wisconsin over Indiana since 2008, uh, they've won the Badgers 23 of their last 27, I look at Wisconsin this year, and, and they got a guy in their starting lineup who's a freshman rake, averaging double figures from Fort Wayne, I don't remember him too much from his high school days, as if Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer at Purdue don't add enough insult to injury, Indiana fans, If and I hope I'm saying his name right, is it Connor Asijin? You nailed it. What do you call about him back in his high school days? He's averaging double figures for him.
5: Well, the, the people in Albion would be mad that you called them Fort Wayne, since he went to Central Noble High School. So, oh, Gosh, is,
1: is that not Fort Wayne?
5: That it is the Fort Wayne area, but it is not Allen County. It is the county that is kind of to the northwest. Apologies uh, to
1: the
2: Noble Faithful.
5: Uh, uh, well, thankfully, I don't think the 105.75 signal is getting up there. I think you're okay. <laughs>
2: yeah, um, we barely get to Noblesville.
5: I was going to leave that for you, uh, but there you go. Uh, I throw the softball, you knock him out of the park, well done. Uh, but Connor is a season's active player. Uh, Connor played at a 2A school, led them to the, to the state championship game, where in the minds of some, they were upset by Providence last year. Um, but but Connor, want to say, he, I know he's the all-time leading scorer in Central Noble. He might be the all-time leading scorer in the county <laughs> at this point, because he had a phenomenal prep career, and you know, you, when, the, when when a kid racks up big numbers at a smaller school, you always wonder how ready he is uh, to play at a, at a major college level. I had one chance to see him play last year, and that was, again, a smaller school competition in bar But athletically, he looked the part. Unfortunately, he got hurt uh, and couldn't play in the Indiana All-Star Series. He was there but didn't play. But, you know he was ready to be a Big Ten athlete even playing at a 2A high school. And so I'm not surprised that he is doing great things at Wisconsin. Wisconsin rarely recruits players from the state of Indiana. So it's kind of Yeah, first legal. one since
1: 97, I saw.
5: Charlie Wills, I think, was the last mm-hmm. one uh, back in 97. Uh, but Connor can play. Uh, and so I'm, I'm not surprised that he is doing very well up in Madison for Greg Garden.
2: Greg, we always have around the state, a player or two that goes on, like, you know, Kevin's talking, I mean, exactly that. A guy that sure. by the time they're three you know, three quarters of the way through their college career, you go, man, I have no memory of that guy playing high school basketball in Indiana. Give me a player or two right now in the state that doesn't get the headlines, that doesn't get a lot of attention that is flying kind of off the radar, but is a legitimate college prospect and one that people are sleeping on. And that yet he is going to make his high school proud in a couple years on the national scene.
5: Well, I would, I would say the most direct correlation in terms of, you know, from a small school outside of the, you know, a, well, an hour or so removed, at least from the Indy area would be Joey Hart. Now in Southwest Indiana, that kid's a, a, a well-known commodity and a big deal. He is going to play at the University of Central Florida. Um, again, is he a Mr. Basketball candidate? Kind of on the fringe this year of that. Is he a definitive Indiana All-Star? Absolutely. Uh, obviously, his dad has been in the news for the wrong reasons, uh, with, uh, unfortunately, you know, being kind of on suspension right now because of a uh, public intoxication case. But dad is head coach at Linton Stockton. Dad played at Coastal Carolina. In fact, played against the Fab Five uh, in, in the NCAA tournament back in 1993 so joey's gonna play at central florida which now is you know a a pretty high level of college basketball if it's a pedigree program that doesn't have this great pedigree he would be the most direct corollary in this year's class to a similar path that connor asejan took to get to wisconsin
1: are you southport bound tonight i am southport bound each of the next two nights and so what do we got we got that was Southport's in it, right? They're in the semifinals. Obviously, Ben Davis. I forget who else rounds out the final four for the Marion County Tournament.
5: So you referenced the second semifinal. The first semifinal is Pike and Lawrence North, who have yet to play each other this year. Their regularly scheduled game is February the 17th. So uh, I think these are going to be two pretty good semifinals. It is a Pike team that we kind of had some question marks about coming into the season, but they've got a very experienced point guard in, in Devin Woods. He's probably more of a D2 NAI level kid, but a really good high school basketball player. Uh, Pike's, Pike was a little bit young coming in, but they've been playing really well as of late. LN's got young talent. What Lawrence North doesn't have is a lot of size. They are very, largely a 6'3 and under team, which is rare for a Lawrence North team. No Jack Kiefer, obviously, which catches your attention. Chris Giffen is in his first year as, as the head coach only second head coach in the history of Lawrence North High School the first 46 years had been served by Jack Kiefer that'll be a good matchup of, of two solid teams then you get to number one Ben Davis if they win tonight it is their best start since the 30s hmm. this 15-0 start matches their 93-94 team that didn't win a state championship but they won one the next two years The other stat that will catch your attention is that Ben Davis, for their prowess in basketball, has not won the Marion County Tournament since 1995. They were ahead by double digits in the final last year, and North Central came back to surprise them. The other thing that certainly bears mentioning is the fact that the closest that Ben Davis has come to losing this year was at Southport Fieldhouse to Southport on November the 30th. Cardinals took him to overtime before Ben Davis won. Southport has a pretty experienced group this year, beat Lawrence Central team was playing really well in the quarterfinals in their building on Wednesday night. That will not be a cakewalk for Ben Davis. We should have two really good semifinals this evening.
1: Rick, I was up at uh, Fisher's yesterday and was talking with a couple people on their basketball staff, and they were raving about Jalen Harrelson, the sophomore up there. Uh, I think consensus kind of top 10 recruits that he's just a great, great kid. And it kind of hit me, like, we're in this era right now, I guess, in Indiana where you've got a top 10 mm-hmm. basketball recruit in each class, or at least each of the top three classes, Xavier Booker, and feel free to correct me on the pronunciation, Flory Badunga?
5: You nailed it, 100 okay. And then
1: Jalen Harrelson. Have you seen Harrelson from, from Fishers? I know certainly Indiana and Purdue have their eyes on him.
5: We had him. I didn't have their game. We had him at South For They played in the Forum tip-off classic. I will see them on February the 14th when they play at Lawrence North. So I have not had him in a game yet. But obviously, I, I know of the background. And what I hear about him, in addition to you know his overall talent, is that while he is obviously the dominant force in their, in their offense, it's not like he is going to shoot the ball every time that he is great about involving his teammates and making sure the ball moves on a regular basis. They, again, had some talent graduate off of last year's team. Their record has been, you know, kind of 500 or so. They're going through some through, through some lumps in, in a pretty tough schedule, to their credit. You know, obviously in the HCC, they're playing a great schedule. They play most of the mixed schools. They play in, you know, a lot of these kind of shootout events. You Knowing they've got a player like Jalen to kind of showcase his talents. But he is a really good player and worthy of all the recruiting hype that goes around him.
2: You know the one player I meant to ask about, Greg, that I've heard a lot about? Greg Raikstra is our guest on the Payless Stickers Hotline. Um, and I started hearing about this kid. Damon Bailey comparisons are really unfair, I get. But only comparison I make there is that I started hearing about this kid like when he was an 8th grader. I think he's now a sophomore uh, down in the southern part of the state at Heritage Hills. Trent, and is it Sisley or Sisley? You got it. Um, he's a power forward, right? And I guess Correct. Purdue got in on him early. I mean, we'll see. But, you know, oftentimes, Greg, as you know, guys at a young age can get tabbed really highly. Sure. And then everybody kind of catches up to them in terms of, you know, just maturation, physical maturation. He was a huge name early and is still pretty big. Is he going to sustain? towards the upper echelon of the state in terms of recruits?
5: I think so, because there's a pedigree there. Uh, so his older brother, Blake, plays at Wright State, was an Indiana All-Star two years ago, and was an Indiana All-Star on the deepest class the state has ever had. Um, you know, his brother was an All-Star in a year where there were guys that you know were going to, to Power Five conferences that didn't make the All-Star team. That's how good that group was two years ago. His dad, Matt, played at Southeast Missouri State. So I, I understand and can cite examples of guys that were six five six six as a freshman year. Hey, he's starting to get Big Ten level interest. Two years later, he's still six five six six, and all of a sudden, that major college interest becomes mid major or low division one interest. I don't think that's the case there because again, against his peers, he's been one of the better players in the Midwest. And again, you also have a little family history there. We know, all right. This is a family that has dad's a college basketball player. Older brother's a high level college basketball player. We think this kid's better than even those two players. Again, I, I do think that that interest will will sustain uh, in in trend.
1: Rick, before we let you go, we brought this up to end the show yesterday. Flory Badunga made thirty two straight shots.
5: That is correct, and when most of them are taken atop the rim. You know, that's that's. that's, that's I was going to say, how issue. many were
1: dunks? Do you know? um probably
5: 33 of the 32 <laughs> that would be my guess um that's and, that's and, incredible uh, right, i mean f- he is still a work in process and to his credit he did not force shots that he does not feel he's capable of making most everything he does is is not even 10 feet in but 5 feet in it. he's got some good closers he's got a nice drop step little jump hook Um, As he hits the AAU circuit this offseason, I'm sure working on that perimeter game, that pick-and-pop game, maybe even a three-point game, will be things that that he will do. He he has recruited on the raw ingredients, which are jaw-dropping, and also his character, which by all accounts is really good. Uh, I've had one interaction with him, could not have been a nicer kid. He speaks four different languages. French is the language he grew up speaking predominantly. In, in the Congo, uh, but his English is, is quite good too, pretty good as, as much as his basketball is. So he's drafted for his athletic draft,ed and he will be at some point. But he's looking at major college, you know, basketball for his athleticism, his rebounding, his defense, his offense is a work in progress. But if you can if you can get above the rim and get in transition, um, you're not going to find a higher percentage shot than that dunk, which he is prone to do on a night in night out basis.
2: All right, last thing here, Greg. We're going to play a fun game. We're going to play a three-team round-robin between the Indiana High School All-Stars of your graduating class, of Kevin's graduating class, and of my graduating class. Okay? Okay. Give me your year. 1994. Okay, I've got it right here. The 1994 Boys All-Stars. We'll let Mark Dykton determine which of these three teams is best. Bryce Drew. Hang on a second. hang Hang on a second. We're letting the guy that's not from Indiana determine this. Good yeah. point. Well, that might actually be a decent barometer, I guess. Uh, Bryce Drew, Lee Nalon, who was very underrated. Sean uh, Doherty. Is it Doherty or Daughtery? Um, Doherty. I also played in Wisconsin. Uh, Brian Hanley, John Newhauser, Scott Combs. Uh, T, is it T's Darner? That's Link Darner's brother. Tyg. Tig, okay. Gerard Powers, Ladrell Whitehead, Shane Miller, Don Mallory, and Bonzi Wells. Is that the Colt Gerard <laughs> Powers? That's uh, yeah. That's a solid team. Okay, Kevin, your year.
1: Well, Rick, you got to vote for my year because Alex Young scored how many points at IUPUI? Then you call
5: uh, a bazillion. And I think you, he's third in our all-time scoring. Thank list.
1: you. And You called how many of those games? Uh, Two thousand eight. So obviously Gordon Hayward and others. I think there was a
2: Zeller there. Okay, hang on. Two thousand eight. I got to go to... I got to go back... See, this. I'm in the 90s right now. Somehow I've got to get back to... I got it right here. Okay, go ahead uh, with yours. Garrett
1: Butcher, Randy Davis from Plymouth, of course, Gordon Hayward, Braden Hobbs, Kyle Couric, Julian Mavunga, Julius Mays, Daniel Moore, Zach Novak, Walter Offit, Chase Stegall, Larry Stone, Alex Young,
2: and Tyler Zeller. Pretty solid. Pretty solid. All right, 1991... Andre Owens, Steve Nicodemus, Damon Bethea, LaSalle Thompson, Ryan Wolfe, Chris Wilburn, Jeff Massey, Brandon Brantley, Andy Elkins, Marlon Fleming, Brian Evans, Lamar Morton, Allen Henderson, Glenn Robinson.
1: No jeez. Well, until you said the last two, I was feeling good. (laughs) If we're playing
5: two-on-two, I like Jake's chances. (laughs) Yeah. If, 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 If we're going depth of class, I'm kind of partial to... Bryce Drew hitting a game-winning shot from my class.
1: That's where I'm
3: leaning. You know, Drake, part of me was Drake. like, "Do I have the
1: best NBA player?" And then Jake started rattling off
2: it. I mean, I've got, I've got one, two, three, four, five. I've got seven Big Ten players. Yeah, I mean, yours is definitely. Alan Henderson and Glenn Robinson. Does, are we counting it against that Allen Henderson actually dropped off due to a scheduling conflict to make it competitive? L- I think we're going to need to. Yeah, Alan Henderson dropped off the All Star team. No, I have no
5: no he counts. I mean, come on, let's face it. That's 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 the second final ever played at the RCA dome or the Hoosier dome at the time, and those two played against each other, and they were, you know, like like of uh, the last since that time in terms of like one two debates for Mr. Basketball, the only other one that I thought was comparable to Allen and the big dog would have been Jared Jeffries and Zach Randolph. So no, he counts.
1: Yeah. And, and Rake, are are they changing up the Indian All Star schedule or doing junior games or something I saw? So, What they are doing is they're going to play four games that
5: day at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, the traditional seniors of Indiana versus Kentucky. But there's going to be an Indiana Futures game, or sorry, there's going to be a girls' Futures game and a boys' Futures game that takes place as well uh, Saturday, June 10th at Gamebridge.
2: Got it. Some of these teams got are it. stacked. By the way, no, without 88, question. Eighty-eight. Woody Austin, Sean Woods, Sean exactly Kemp. Opened up a,
5: a discussion topic for the next hour and thirty-six minutes. Yeah, we, need, we need to save
1: this for July. That's right. <laughs> you <laughs> that's got right. what? Is it two thousand twelve? Is that the Gary Harris class rake? I mean, that that's got to be Correct. up there with others. Um, and, and say I, I I cited that
5: 2021 class right. as being the deepest in the history of Indiana. There's already a kid in the NBA from that group. <laughs> that, that, that team was so, I mean, there, there. I think of guys like DJ Hughes and Kurt Hope that couldn't even make the All-Star team that year. And there were numerous other guys like them that you would say in virtually any other year they've been the Indiana All-Star. The class of two years ago was so ridiculously good.
1: That is absolutely absurd. He is Greg Rakestraw tonight. Southport for him again. Ellen and Pike, and then Southport and Ben Davis. Rake enjoy one of the best gyms in uh, Indiana this weekend. Thanks, fellas.
5: Have a great weekend.
1: That's Greg Rakestraw right there on the ISC from the ISC Sports Network. It's time for morning checkdown.
5: <laughs> The Morning Checkdown,
0: brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
2: We'll begin with college basketball. It is Purdue Fort Wayne and IUPY last night. Purdue Fort Wayne 70-55. Jags now three and fifteen. They are zero and seven in league play. Southern Indiana over Little Rock seventy four sixty seven. Stan George Group now five hundred nine and nine and two and three overall games tonight. Villanova and Butler. That's a seven o'clock tip at Hinkle, and then Nebraska at Purdue. As you'd mentioned, Kevin. Uh, you look at Nebraska and it's not overly imposing, but then you realize Purdue had a bit of a tussle first time around. It was such them.
1: an ugly game. And Lincoln Zach Eady had 11 points. That's a season low for Eady. He was outstanding on the rebounding and block front there. But yeah, Fletcher Lawyer really big in that win. Then Purdue comes back. I think it's is it Michigan State on Monday? By the way, we we'll have a show Monday Martin Luther King Day. We've got some like afternoon hoops. On Monday, I think it's
2: 2.30 on Monday, they are taking on Michigan State a, in the, East Lansing. Do the Pacers play a matinee on Monday, too? Uh, the Pacers do typically play on Dr. Martin Luther King Day. I don't have their schedule.
1: Yeah, 2.30 at Milwaukee for the Pacers on Monday. So you said Purdue's at 2.30? Correct. Boy, all right. Purdue and Pacers, 2.30 on Monday. Uh, speaking of the Pacers, over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse tonight, it is the Hawks, and then they've got the Grizzlies tomorrow. As Jake said, quite the ticket, uh, the only time Memphis will play here all year, certainly all the Indiana connections on their roster. John Morant appears to be healthy, missed a couple of games uh, earlier, late last week, early this week, but he played on Wednesday, was outstanding, and, and they don't play tonight, so no back-to-back for Memphis leading into this one. Uh, we'll get more into the Tyrese Halliburton injury update here in a few, but just in summary, uh, Jake, he is out at least two weeks, and then a reevaluation will occur. Left elbow and left knee. Um, that is the update there. Miles Turner questionable for tonight. So the back spasms, the MRI that Turner had, doesn't appear to reveal anything too, too serious. On that front.
2: By the way, the 2007 Indiana All-Stars. Oh, is that Eric Gordon? Eric Gordon, Zach Hahn, Matt Howard, Robbie Hummel, Jawan Johnson, Scott Martin, Etwan Moore, Jeff Teague. Well, I, how about the year before? Yeah, Greg Oden, Mike Conley, Luke Herringote, Chris Kramer. Uh, Vaughn Duggins was a nice player.
1: you imagine a frontcourt of Oden and Heron <laughs> <laughs> Herringote looked like a grizzly. Oh, girl, you know how many passwords of mine are Herringote? <laughs> you do now? Yeah, that's right. New Karen Gody and Bonzi Colson, my two favorite athletes of all time. Really? How about heron Gody's haircut? That's what I mean. I mean, oh, like, loved it. He looked like a big grizzly bear. Oh my gosh! The Colts need him at left tackle. All of my passwords are J Edwards three. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm glad we can align on that. Uh, right. Looking ahead to the NFL playoff schedule coming up this weekend. On Saturday, it is San Francisco in Seattle. Sounds like some weather to keep an eye on in the Bay Area for that one. The nightcap, Jake's Jags. Can I say that, Jake? Sure. Jake's Jags taking on the Chargers Sunday. Dolphins, Bills, Giants, Vikings, Ravens, Bengals. The disappointing one in those AFC games, both the wildcard teams, both on the road. The Dolphins are starting Skylar Thompson, and the Ravens appear to be starting either Tyler Huntley or Anthony Brown. Yeah. Those
2: are... What did they say? The knee is unstable for Lamar Mm -hmm. Jackson, right? Yeah,
1: I do appreciate Lamar Jackson just firing off some tweets yesterday being like, all right, Here's my situation right now. Well, because there's a- rumors
3: that it was because that maybe he's sitting out because he still has doesn't have a contract with the Ravens, so that people are like, oh well, maybe he's just mad and he's, you know, finding a way to sit out or whatever. But he's like, uh no. That'd be quite
1: a I don't know. That'd be quite the move. Uh, Cowboys Bucks Monday night, and
3: uh, the loser of that one, Mark Dykman. You have said that coach will be fired. Uh, I don't know if that coach, but I think if the Cowboys lose, Mike McCarthy will be fired. I don't know about T- Todd Bowles, but McCarthy. We'll give our picks
1: a little bit later and go over those games. Again, the Colts had coaching search. Bubba Ventrone, Ajiro Avero, and Eric Biennemi. Those are the three interviews so far. Biennemi late last night. We'll chat more about that coming up. And it looks like over the next couple of days of the candidates mentioned so far, I think just judging by fan reaction, some of the more intriguing names coming up here for Chris Ballard and Jim Urse say 8.30 here on a Friday morning. It's overcast in Indianapolis. Kevin Bowen, Jake Corey, Mark Dykton, and Nathaniel looking at the board here with us. 93.5 on a 7.5 The Fan.
2: 26 minutes before the hour of 9 o'clock. Good-
4: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqal and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Good
2: morning to you on a Friday. Jake Quarry along with Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykton here as well. Pacers in action tonight taking on the Atlanta Hawks at the Fieldhouse. And what we do know is that they will be without tyrese halliburton what we know even further than that kevin is that they need to get used to that thought because it's going to be at minimum two weeks but i think probably a little bit longer than that uh i feel like they don't in any way shape or form need to rush him back for reasons i'll later explain but what say you
1: i love luke harangote by the way he,
2: he looks like a grizzly bear doesn't I he? i know
1: Derek schultz just tweeted about it and i think i I Google image some Luke Heron Goaty photos and it made me happy on this <laughs> Where the Where is he right
2: now? Like, what's he doing right now?
1: Uh, I think he stopped playing. I actually ran into him in a Chicago bar once. you uh, tell him how many passwords he is for you? I, I decided to refrain from that. I wanted to. Did you ask, embarrass yourself? I wanted to keep in the bar. I thought I handled it in a rather mature way. Some might argue differently on that front. <laughs> um, I think he played. He had a. Well, Celtics and Cavs are popping into my head. Any, anywhere else? I mean, primarily he played overseas, but.
2: I don't... I, I I hate to disappoint you here. I don't remember much about the career of Luke Oh, okay. Cameron. Well, would you like I mean, a little bit it. of
1: a encyclopedia on Luke? Sure. Cavaliers, 70 games played total in the NBA, shot 37% from the field, 12 minutes a game, averaged 3.6 points. Uh, he last played in 2020,
3: and that was in Spain
1: great run for
3: him Toot? that's what it looks like it says
1: yeah they're uh, one of the best teams over there i have no idea i just hope they are because we've <laughs> played for him um yo, he had a brief stint for the mad ants i just looked remember um, when a little hansborough speaking of notre dame players was on the uh, pacers ben
2: ben hansborough yeah i went to i emceed a fundraising event that george hill held at the indiana um war memorial that was the first time I saw the elect play. They were outstanding. And George Hill brought every teammate up on stage. And Ben Hansborough got up there. And everyone, like, he was the last one to be introduced. And so everyone's, like, on the stage kind of waiting for, like, everyone to applaud that the Pacers roster was there. And Ben Hansborough, out of nowhere, I don't know if this had been set up ahead of time. It didn't seem like anybody else was aware of it. Out of nowhere, Ben Hansbrough just said, We about to do some Gangnam Style? <laughs> <laughs> he broke in that dance, and I every, forgot all about that. Everybody in the place was like,
1: "What is happening?" <laughs> that sounds like something Ben Hansborough would do. Yeah, oh, this it, is
2: awkward. It was very awkward, Andrew. Thank do the Pacers
1: you. need him uh, for a third point guard r- right now? Um, yes. To get back to Tyrese Halliburton, like you said, Jake, reevaluated here in two weeks. Left knee, left elbow. Um, I'm with you. I I, I think, honestly, you keep him out through the All-Star break. I know it's disappointing for him. Obviously, he wants to be an All-Star, wants to play in the All-Star game, all of those things. But when you look at the schedule and how it's kind of mapped out and you look at the injury, um, you definitely want to err on the side of of caution here. You know, two things. In the short term, what stood out to me is this is the first real adversity the Pacers have faced all year. I mean, we're, we're, what, 40-some games into the season. Miles Turner missed a week to start the year. Outside of that, you've had Turner... Matherin, Halliburton healed. none of them have been hurt for any length uh, of time. And then you look at just the losses for the Pacers this season. Obviously there haven't been a ton. I think they only have one losing streak of more than two games. So it's the first real adversity for the team. Uh, if I were Rick Carlisle, I know he's been you know kind of your pocket knife guy for you this season, but I would give Andrew Nemhard the ball and say, you're our point guard. With the starting lineup, until Tyrese Halliburton gets back, I'd put Matherin in the starting lineup that I think kind of offsets a little bit of the scoring that you're obviously going to lose with uh, with Halliburton. And maybe, I'm not holding my breath for this, but Jake, maybe if you put Matherin in the starting lineup, that gives Chris Duarte more shots with the second unit, maybe a little bit more confidence. TJ McConnell continues to run the second unit. That's how I would operate.
3: To repeat what I was talking about earlier. What were you going to say, Mark? I was going to say, well, we, we can save it, but somebody asked uh, Ke- Kevin who he'd save in a life or death situation Luke to or Benedict Matherin?
1: Boy, I thought you were going to go with Tiger Woods, too.
3: Well, if you want the trifecta, I can give it to you. I, I would,
1: I just, I, I'd i sacrifice myself. <laughs> well, you... <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> I, I'd go there. What a man. Well, thank you. Continue. I, Tiger and you have kind of had their day, right? Like, at least with Matherin, you're. Um, Well, uh, let's see
1: what happens here in 2023 for Tiger. Okay. The Masters is about three months away, by the way.
2: When you look at this Pacers roster and this installment of the Pacers, and I think that it is very easy, credit to the Pacers for that, for us to lose sight of the following. And that is, this is a team that is well ahead of schedule. We had conditioned ourselves partially at the urgent of the Pacers brass As a fan base and a media, we had conditioned ourselves for the fact that this year was not just a retool, but a total rebuild. And I think it's gone from rebuild now to back to retool, because they thought they had good pieces with Benedict Matherin, obviously with Tyrese Halliburton, with Chris Duarte, Jalen Smith, Isaiah Jackson was in that mix at the beginning of the year, and... They didn't really know. I think they thought they had a good player in Andrew Nimhardt, but a second-round pick, you're never totally sure. Then they gave him a big contract for a second-round pick and guaranteed it. And they were curious to see what would happen, and I can tell you that the Pacers brass was very excited because they felt like they had the centerpiece in Tyrese Halliburton that everything else fed off of. Literally, he was like the little bubbler in the middle of the aquarium that everything like was it was bubbling out stuff that everybody was feeding off of. And that's exactly what they wanted out of Halliburton. And they wanted to see how Miles Turner would respond to that and how other players would play with Halliburton on the floor. He was absolutely the key cog in the wheel. And what we have seen now, because it's been a half a season, I think they have seen enough body of work to say, yes, we now know that we have a team that we can grow that now simply needs retooling as opposed to rebuilding so long as Halliburton is here as our piece. However... What you do, I think, in any situation, in particular in sports, is at times you have to take away that centerpiece to find out exactly how guys respond when the spotlight now shifts on the stage away from the center of it over to the right-hand corner where they've been kind of comfortably operating without people noticing everything they're doing and Nembhard has had his moments where he's been in that spotlight, but not for extended periods of time. Especially a point guard. Correct. And Aaron Neesmith has had moments where he's very – the light has started to hit him a little bit, but not for extended periods of time. Same with Matherin. This is a great test and a great opportunity for those guys now – when defenses and, and spotlight and focus is on them, for them to experience that, which they have not yet as professional players. And that means that then that is in, that's increasing the metal of those auxiliary pieces. This is, and we certainly hope for the sake of Tyrese Halliburton and the Pacers, that this is strictly an inconvenience and not a long-term issue for him. I don't think it is. This is going to be a bump in the road that's not very fun, but I think it's one that is that very possibly, like two years from now, we're going to look back at and say, you remember that month-and-a-half stretch when Aaron Niesmith first got here or in Nimhard's rookie year? Man, that was critical now because those guys have a confidence and the, and the, the franchise knows what they can get out of them. And I think it's important.
1: Uh, Ryan asks us here on Twitter, are the patients gonna be active at the deadline by adding a piece or is it dependent on Miles signing an extension? They have the space to add another significant piece. Um, you know, typically at deadline moves, you don't see a whole lot of moves that factor into kind of like the long term plan for you. It's a lot of, hey, here's a guy, you can dump a salary at the end of the year and he can help you out for a couple months. I, I don't really want to see the Pacers buying at all at the trade deadline. I mean, sure, if you could get some long piece, long-term long piece that's really good for you, I guess that would work out. But isn't every team trying to do that to some degree? And, and why I say I don't want to see them buyers, I mean, they've been incredibly healthy through the first 42 games. And they're still seventh in the Eastern Conference. Like, if the playoffs started tomorrow, they'd be in the play-in game. So, I, I just think you have to you know, live in a little bit of dose of reality here in this season of remember what the discussion was in mid-October. You don't need to sacrifice anything right now that all of a sudden, oh yeah, you know, maybe we'll be the sixth seed in the playoffs. Halliburton's gonna miss multiple weeks. It's at least eight games, and in all likelihood he's gonna miss more than that. So I think of the deadline, yes, the miles extension situation, that is gonna be, you know, priority number one, and that's gonna impact a lot of stuff. But outside of that the Pacers can't think of themselves as, oh my gosh, we've lost Halliburton for a month. We need to go out and get a veteran point guard and trade yeah. a first-round pick. No, I think the l- Pacers l- let Nim Hard play point, give those agreed. other guys expanded roles, and remember what the big
2: picture was at the start of the year. I think the Pacers see this particular team as one that is in need of minor addition, not major juxtaposition. And a lot of that is dependent upon what happens with Miles Turner, to your point. Daniel Tice is a guy that we forget about, but but I, I think he is one that they also think can give them maybe some minutes once he's healthy. It's a knee issue with him. But they do need an enforcer. They do need a little nastiness. They in, need in Heron the <laughs> Okay,
1: Luke Heron Goatee in college, guys. Sophomore year, 20.4 points, 10.6 rebounds. This is in the old Big East, by the way. Junior year, 23.3 points per game. 11.8 rebounds and then his senior year 21.8 points per game 9.1 how did rebounds. you prefer
2: how possibly though could you have liked him more than you liked troy murphy
1: oh so murphy that was when ryan bone my older brother would write red rum on his shoes murder backwards um because troy murphy did it red rum interesting household how much nba money for troy murphy jake i know you love this game
2: uh, NBA money for Troy Murphy. I'm going to go with, over the course of his career, he netted $52 million. Oh, got to be more. Oh, more. I'm
3: going to say like 95. Yeah, I was going to say normally 100. Right. He probably had a... He wouldn't have
2: had a max deal, but but a pretty wow, good one. Wow, actually, there.
1: Jake is very close. 66 mil. Speaking of Redrum in The Shining... Troy Murphy would be pretty good in like present-day NBA. You, a stretch big man.
2: Yeah, he's a little slow foot, but he could, he could shoot. You guys have both seen The Shining, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. Do you know that I... I don't even know how, but the two twins, the British girls that play the twins yeah. in The Shining, come and play with us, Daniel. They, we are mutual followers followers of one another on Twitter, and I needed for them, when I did the afternoon show with Derek Schultz, Derek is always talking about how great he is because he's a triplet, and he's make, he makes a big deal out of his birthday, but he's terrified of his own shadow, and most notably of The Shining twins. Mm-hmm. So through Twitter, I got a hold of one of Very them. Very understandable, by the way. <laughs> I know. So I got a hold of them to ask them if they could do uh, a little bit for me for our radio show to scare Derek, which they did. But that opened up a dialogue between me and one of the Shining Twins. Could not be nicer. They live in England still. But she told me a fascinating story about when they made that movie and Daniel. Isn't that the kid's name? Daniel? Yeah. Red sounds right. The three kids in the movie, Stanley Kubrick, when they made the movie... Had the three child actors, but they were never told that they were making a horror movie. So they just told him... like, They didn't want the, to scare him? Correct. So the, the, the twins and Daniel, they filmed all of their stuff over a three-day stretch. They gave them, apparently, a ton of chocolate cake and ice cream and stuff and just like, you know, whatever. <laughs> and then... You know, they told him, like, well, just don't show any emotion. Like, stand here kind of weird and just say yeah. these words. Just hold your Pez behind your back, and then after you read your lines, you can have your Pez. <laughs> right. So they had no idea. And then when the movie came out, the, the girls that played the Shining Twins, their parents didn't let them see the movie until they were 18. And they had no idea they'd made a horror movie. They just knew that they had to stand. The things, like, where the blood comes through, that was yeah. all. Like, Should a, CPS you know. have intervened there? I, seriously. like it's You know what I mean? But they... Anyways. I guess
1: it shouldn't surprise us, Mark, that Jake's friends with them. Yeah, that's the least really <laughs> surprising thing. I I'm think gonna you've come said visit. I need <laughs> grave sites. I can come visit when I'm over there.
2: By the way, if if I'm coming to visit there, apparently I can't do it in July because I just got an email. My explain this to me. I have a flight on July 16th, and I just got noticed that it's been canceled. What? Yeah, F- FAA is going to be down that day. Seven months from now. Is that weather related, as my buddy Rob Whitaker said? What? Seven months from now, my flight's canceled. So on July 17th, you guys might have somebody in here because I don't think I'm going to make it back after a race. What are you laughing at?
3: It's I forgot we got. That that's even a scenario right now. Isn't that. <laughs> Flight got canceled when, seven months When out. is
2: your first IndyCar race? Is there one in February? Uh, end of February or early March is St. Pete. But it's becoming harder to get back. Unless I do the charters, it's it's harder to get back now because commercial. Where flights, where will you be that day? I think We're you should just. What, why don't you
3: spend the night and comrex it? I thought about that. You can eat all the you know ketchup flavored chips you want and still do the show. That'd be pretty cool.
1: And then you can kind of hang in the city for half a day and fly back at night.
3: I, Catch a but, Blue Jays game, maybe. Quite frankly,
2: after races, like as soon as the checker flag falls, I'm like, I want to get home.
3: Yeah, I hear I'm you. Yeah. Totally but doesn't like it doesn't sound like it's going to be an option for you. <laughs> If I can drive back. He's Jake Query. I'm Kevin in
1: Bowen. In and Mark Dyked in at About ten or fifteen. Kristen Aries going to join us to talk more about the Pacers. We'll give you a rundown on the Colts head coaching candidate list. Two interviews yesterday. Reportedly two today. One coming up tomorrow. And then to round out the show, we've got to make some wild card picks. Six games coming up. Two tomorrow. Three Sunday. One on Monday. Kevin Aquerrey. right here on 93.5 107.5 The Fan
2: it's not as far to drive from Toronto as you think now last year was when Graham Rahal totally saved me and because I was a last minute addition Mm -hmm. couldn't get a flight back private jet it wasn't a jet but it it was fun though it was with Jack Harvey and but I guess I could drive back but if the race ends at 6 I mean I'd get back at like 3 and then come in here and do the show no yeah it sounds like hell for us <laughs> <laughs>
1: wouldn't be the first time if you could only watch one wild card game this weekend it would be what
2: I really do think that the and there's no way that this game is, is probably going to have long term implication in the playoffs itself but I think that Jacksonville Charger game is going to be interesting because you have two young quarterbacks that are kind of getting their chance to, to flex their muscle yeah, a little play bit yeah first playoff
1: appearance for each
2: right I said, okay, let me ask you this. Which one would you go with?
1: Um, I'd probably either go there or I'm a sucker for storylines, so Monday night, Cowboys, Bucks.
2: I sent the following tweet yesterday. I said, not who you want, but who you think. Which contains the Super Bowl champ? Now, there are four groupings here because you can only do four. So here you go. You ready? Yeah. Which of these contains the Super Bowl champ? You don't have to say which team. Group A, Kansas City, Seattle, and Baltimore. Group B, Philadelphia, Miami, or the New York Giants? Group C, Buffalo, Dallas, Tampa, and Minnesota? Or Group D, San Francisco, the Chargers, Jacksonville, Cincinnati? One of those groups has 42% of the votes. Yeah, I'd probably go with that last group. I voted on that one. I said C. You went with Buffalo, Dallas, Tampa, Mm -hmm. Minnesota? Yep. I'll probably go with the last one. I would tend to agree with you, Kevin, because San Fran, some question at quarterback there, perhaps, but but really good defense. Cincinnati, clearly a contender. And, and the Chargers do feel like one that, if they get hot, can do it. But I've said it's that Starting for like to get five a
1: little a healthier as well. They've been really banged up this season. Rashawn Slater, their young left tackle. Joey Bosa potentially could be back. Maybe not this week, but if they win, potentially next week. Wait, which
2: one had the most votes? Uh, that last grouping Kansas or San Francisco Chargers Jacksonville Cincinnati the lines
1: for those that care nine and a half San Francisco favored by Seattle tomorrow again the weather in the Bay Area is supposed to be a little dicey for that one. Jacksonville at home, a two and a half point underdog. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't Jacksonville smoke the Chargers earlier in the season? I think that's right. Yeah, that, that was, was kind of, of one of the Jackson- Trevor Lawrence's yeah. real
2: breakout games, right?
1: Uh, Buffalo is a 13 point favorite against Skylar Thompson in Miami. That's got to be higher, right? The Vikings are favored by just three against the Giants. Bengals, that line is nine and a half against the Ravens, starting a backup quarterback. And the Cowboys are a road favorite,
3: two and a half over Tom Brady's Bucks. Jaguars beat the Chargers back in week three. That was, they smoked the Colts 24-0. Then the very next week, they beat the Chargers 38-10 in LA. Does... Are you guys gonna wager anything on
1: your wild card bet? Remember from yesterday. I mean, I'm I'm fine with the over six pack of under PBR. again. Over under two and a half wild card teams win this weekend. So basically, over under two and a half road teams: Seattle, the Chargers, the Dolphins, the Giants, the Ravens, and the Cowboys. Jake, you would say over, correct? I'll and go Mark, over. You're going under. I'll I said go over.
3: Under, under. under. What are we wagering? I said six pack of PBR. But here's the thing: I only drink PBR on
2: draft. Oh my God! I only, drink on well, we'll a a I only drink beer on draft. I only drink beer on draft. How about some Bucky nuggets? <laughs> That's a drive, my <laughs> that friend. <is> a drive.
3: <laughs> Mark, it hasn't stopped you before. <laughs> right. well, I don't have any plans this week. I'm not planning to drive. Well, anywhere. you do now.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? So, Mark, you you only like the Chargers and the Giants? Yes. And Jake, you're going with the Cowboys on
2: top of those two. I noticed Mark's wearing his PBR shirt. I am. Here. Got to represent
3: the brand. I, I if take we're gonna
2: Dallas. I think the Giants can win,
3: and I think the Chargers can win. So there's. I think the Vikings have been frauds for a while with that point differential. It, it does struggling. feel like the Vikings are
2: teetering, right? Right-hmm. They got yeah. some big weapons, though.
1: Big weapons. Boy, you talk about arguably the best running back and best receiver in that game. Yeah, like in in football, mm-hmm. in Saquon Barkley and Justin Jefferson. All right, Chris and Eric are gonna join us in a few and everything in between. You're going to join us in a few. Final hour of the week. It's, I'd, I'd say, a tad unusual, Jake, to get to a Friday. And Obviously, we're used to having Pacers in action on Fridays. Pacers and Hawks tonight at 7. Tomorrow, the Grizzlies in town. But then you've got two college basketball games here in the state tonight as well at the you know high major level, with Butler hosting Villanova and Purdue hosting Nebraska. Purdue a 15.5-point favorite over Fred Hoiberg and company. And boy, you want to know how bad Villanova's been this year? Butler's favored. Butler's a 1.5-point favorite. That's amazing
2: that Villanova has, I mean, can you imagine what the, now, interestingly enough, I don't know that a sports radio program in Philadelphia probably talks much Villanova, a lot of Eagles right now, I'd guess. Yeah. So, but can you imagine? I mean, there's got to be concern there, right? And then Jay Wright's in
1: Bloomington this weekend to meet with Scott Dolson? That's right. <laughs> Kidding on that front. Well, maybe. <laughs> Are you? Uh, Spiro Ditas on the CBS call with Bill Rafferty and Jay Wright. I've heard Jay Wright in studio, have enjoyed that. I've not heard him on a game yet. So,
2: I just think Jay Wright is a class guy all the way around, man. I thought he was a great coach. Uh, Love the way he ran his program. Mentioned before when the NCAA tournament was here, and all of the teams were you know basically sequestered or yeah the COVID yeah the COVID year. And I asked staff. I used to love to you know at one of the hotels. I'm like so the JW, which is where all the teams initially stayed. And I talked to like three different staff people. I'm like, hey, so what team was like? And they're like, oh, Villanova was. They were polite. They thanked us every day. They could not have been nicer kids. Just great program all the way around.
1: My uh, sister-in-law was part of the uh, nursing contingent that administered COVID tests uh, oh, really? to the players on a daily basis. And uh, she, her favorite team in the tournament that year was the Cougars of BYU because they were the nicest bunch. Really? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. She was a big BYU fan during that turn. I d- don't think they got on much of a run there but that was her vote speaking of votes uh mark do we have some like congratulations music maybe a and we probably should have planned this better but we have an award winner joining us right now on the payless liquors hotline Kristenary jake i forget the verbiage indiana broadcaster of the year i believe it's a-
2: indiana sportscaster of the year
1: indiana sportscaster of the year he is chris Dineri former coach of Kevin Bowen back in the day, and you obviously hear him on Bally Sports. Chris, congrats on that. Extremely well-deserved.
6: Hey, thank you very much. Uh, very honored to win. Uh, there are so many great sportscasters, broadcasters in Indiana, You 2 I mean, just all over the map. So very, very flattered to, to win in 2022. And I have a long way to go to catch Don Fisher and Mark Boyle. Those guys have uh, pretty much owned the category the last number of years GMB won it a few years ago as well so uh, very honored and very flattered I mean just like you guys we don't do what we do uh, to win awards we do what we do because we love it and uh, but but very uh, very gratifying to have to be recognized by my peers so very, very I've always very been good.
2: appreciative Chris and I know you are as well um, one of the things I think that people recognize about you is um, i don't know whether it comes out in me or not i know it comes out in you but i know that we share this is that it's not lost on you that if it were not for people watching games or listening to broadcasts you know we wouldn't be able to do what we do right like we're just the lucky guys that were put in this position and i think that 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 ability to keep that in perspective kind of resonates through your microphone which is why you got that award one of the reasons well
6: yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, I love what I do, but, you know, first and foremost, I'm a, I'm a husband, a father, a grandfather, and all of those things, you know, define me. And, and you know, clearly, I mean, what I do um, in this market, I mean, people know me because of some of those things, but that's, that's not all that I'm about. But uh, you're right, we have so many, so many people that rely on, you know, us uh, after, after a tough day or whatever's gone through. Um, you know, to just sit back and watch a game or get up in the morning and drive to work and listen to you guys. And we're very, very lucky and thankful that we get to do what we do. It, it hit on me um, on Wednesday night. You know, when I was a kid, I mean, my dad was a high school coach and teacher and, you know, I wanted to be like him. Um, and I would sit on the floor and play Stratomatic and all kinds of just board games, you know, with basketball or football or baseball. And I would call a game into a tape recorder, and I vividly remember playing the Indiana Pacers season one year, you know, in the early 70s, and uh, when they were in the ABA, and then when they got to the NBA, I was probably, you know, 14 or 15, and I still would play it, and I'd pretend that I was calling a game at Madison Square Garden, and here I was Wednesday night at Madison Square Garden, so... Uh, yeah, just very, very thankful to uh, get to do what I get to do.
1: We're lucky to hear you tonight, seven o'clock. Pacers and Hawks. Kristen Airy, again, TV voice of the Pacers, with us here. Uh, what do you make of the Tyrese Halliburton update? I think you can certainly look at it glass half full, and just the non—you know—ligament uh, angle to it all, but at the same time, it's a substantial loss for multiple weeks
6: yeah, there's no question. Uh, when we were getting on the bus and going to the airport, you saw him on the crutch. Uh, he had he had one crutch, and you know he was walking very gingerly and very slowly, and your your mind is racing to know, hey, you know what what's going to happen tomorrow. So I agree with you to to at least have him reevaluated in two weeks to me was the best case scenario because I think everybody was thinking, um, you know it could be far worse. so, Uh, You know, the Pacers will have to deal with that, just like a lot of other teams in the NBA are dealing with injuries right now. Kevin Durant's out for a month uh, in Brooklyn. I mean, you can go up and down all the rosters. So uh, it'll be difficult because he is the leader of this team. He's the leading scorer. Um, He's the voice. Uh, You know, he's he's the guy that finds guys uh, for easy shots. So um, it'll be something the Pacers will have to deal with over the next two weeks.
2: Chris, do you are you under the impression i am but you're closer to it than i i'm under the impression that for a couple of reasons one being that tyrese halliburton's health is is paramount but also that they won't necessarily feel any urgency in getting him back that they will take it as long as they need to get him back because there are some good young players that can fill in but also just because that's kind of what this year i think in the grand scheme of things is about is learning and navigating
6: yeah, there, there's no question. I mean, you, you don't want to, you know, he, he is your, he's the leader of your franchise. So you want to make sure, you know, he's healthy when he comes back. And, you know, he had two injuries and it could have been three because when he landed, uh, Hartenstein stepped on his other foot, but it was his left knee and his left elbow. He hit the floor with those. And that's where the issue was. So, yeah, you you, you want to bring him back. Uh, when he's fully healthy. And and you're right, Jake. I mean, you've got some young guys. You've got Andrew Nemhardt that, you know, think back to what he did in the Golden State game. I know that's just a one-off, but it showed the type of player that he is and the ability that he has to lead a team. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, where they are, they, they booked a number of wins in the front half of the season at 23-18, and 18. Uh, started with a loss on Wednesday, a, a near-miraculous comeback with all those guys on the bench. Uh, but but yeah, they'll they'll take their time to make sure he's healthy when he comes back.
1: Kenny's okay, Chris Taneri, he's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Back to back at home for the Pacers this weekend, Hawks and the Grizzlies. Want to get more into those matchups here in just a second, but you know more on the Halliburton front. Do you expect Andrew Nemhard gets that starting point guard role? Um, you know he's done a lot. Point guard hasn't been asked of him a ton with the starters, of course, because Halliburton has been so healthy. But that would allow McConnell to stick with the second unit and, again, give or give Nemhard a chance to kind of do what he did at Gonzaga last year.
6: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think they like TJ coming off the bench, and you just slide Nemhardt uh, over to the primary ball handler position. Now, he was sharing that a little bit with Tyrese uh, with two ball handlers. The real story tonight will be to see who's available because Aaron Neesmith did not play with a non-COVID illness on Wednesday. Uh, O'Shea Brissett was not available. Miles Turner just minutes before tip-off was not available. So who knows what that starting lineup will look like, but I would anticipate at least in the backcourt that they would like to keep T.J. McConnell in his role off the bench because he provides so much energy with the second unit and it will be interesting to see who is a part of that second unit tonight and tomorrow night against Memphis. Well,
1: what was the Miles update? Was it did he have an MRI on the back? I don't. I, well, they did not practice yesterday. I haven't seen anything on Miles. I
6: just know that when we got on the bus um, on Wednesday night after the game, I mean he he was ginger as well, uh, walking very slowly. Um, I think he was doing better. That was the report that we got from Rick Carlisle after the game. But uh, we we have not gotten an update on Miles, other than the fact, I believe, on the injury report, he's listed as questionable with back spasms.
2: Chris, I'll be the optimist here. Sometimes when guys get hurt, it means significant minutes for other players, and then down the road. Maybe it's later that year, maybe it's a year later. You look back and you go, you know, that was a really critical 10 game stretch because that guy finally got a chance to show what he can do. Not saying this guy has been denied chances, but if Miles Turner is not going to be able to go full war for a couple of games, then the opportunity is there probably when he most needs it for Isaiah Jackson to just get his confidence back. I thought the other day when he got minutes at home, I think it was a good Charlotte that, you know, he played well considering he was coming off of Fort Wayne. A lot of guys could sulk in that. But is this finally the the confidence booster perhaps awaiting him that he needs?
6: Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, his minutes have been uh, a little different here of late because they've opted to use Jalen Smith as the backup five. They moved him from the starting four. And so you just have limited minutes there. If Miles is going to play, you know, 28 to, to 30 minutes, then Jalen's going to probably play 18. So I, I think we can see if that's the case – uh, Isaiah put up maybe more numbers like we saw last year when he had prime opportunity to play with, with Miles missing the last 40 games, and especially before the Pacers acquired Jalen Smith. So you're right, uh, and I think it was really important for him, and I think it's great for he and the franchise that he went up and played a couple of games in Fort Wayne. That, that's that's why you have that G League franchise is you've got the opportunity to give guys playing time on the Pacers roster if they're not seeing playing time, you know, you know, you know, on the NBA side. So, yeah, that that'll be something to watch. Um, he he's done a nice job when he's had the opportunity this year. And if if Miles is out for a few games, he'll need to step up, no question.
1: And tonight is Trey Young and the Hawks. I believe Trey Young is good to go. I know he missed last game due to an illness, and then John Morant tomorrow with Memphis. Uh, Morant played on Wednesday night. No back-to-back for the Grizzlies. So you could be looking at two of the more exciting guards in the NBA. Different style guards, but two extremely exciting guards. Chris, I, I think you look at these two games. You look at the road trip coming up. I think you play Memphis and Milwaukee again, you know, maybe like late January. I think the schedule's about to toughen up a bit.
6: No question. Uh, next week, road trip, uh, after these two home games, you have Milwaukee on Monday, first of four that you'll play against the Bucks. Then on Wednesday, you have Oklahoma City. Shea Gilgis alexanders averaging 30, and they just won at Philadelphia last night. I mean, they're a team uh, that is very, very young, uh, but playing some good basketball, and then you end the road trip with a back-to-back at Denver at Phoenix, Now, Phoenix is struggling a little bit right now because they don't have Devin Booker, but that's always a tough place to play. Then you come back home, and I think you have Chicago. Yeah, you have Memphis on the 29th. So, uh, yeah, that's what this NBA schedule is all about. And if you go back, think back uh, to the New York loss uh, on December 16th. The Pacers are 8-3 and since, and we looked at that stretch at Boston, at Miami, Toronto, all those games— and thought, man, where are the Pacers going to pick up a win? And they went eight and three in the last eleven. So uh, you just got to take it as Rick says: possession by possession, game by game, and let's see who's available. But clearly, uh, tonight and tomorrow, very difficult back to backs against uh, an Atlanta team trying to find itself and a Memphis team I think has won seven or eight in a row. So yeah, this will be this will be a tough weekend for the Pacers.
2: Interesting because Memphis is a team, Chris. That if you look at the way that they kind of turn things around, I mean, you know, having John Morant is huge, right? But am I correct in saying that the Pacers brass would tell you that Memphis and just kind of the blueprint of how this team was assembled that we see for the Grizzlies is kind of the blueprint that Indiana decided to follow a little bit in this rebuild slash retool.
6: Yeah, no question, Jake. And I think you can look at Cleveland, too. Uh, Memphis and Cleveland built through the draft with you know, some pretty good draft picks. If you look at Morant and Jaron Jackson, uh, Dylan Brooks, uh, Brandon Clark, uh, they were able to add Indiana native out of Richmond, Desmond Bain, late in the first round. You know, Cleveland's done the same with Mobley and Garland and Okoro and you know, just all the guys that they've been able to amass. So there's no question that – I think Indiana has looked at that model. Uh, that's what they did last year, getting Chris Duarte and Isaiah Jackson. Uh, this year, getting Benedict Matherin and Andrew Nemhard. Um, your ability to build through the draft, getting quality young players, give them a lot of opportunity to play. Uh, it, we look at Memphis as you know a fifty-win team. A couple of years ago, I think they won twenty-five or twenty-six games. Right, but it's that experience that they got by playing those young guys um that's why really if you look at it the pacers are ahead of schedule nobody thought that they'd be 23 and 19 right now and i don't think anybody thought guys that in a clutch in a clutch situation they're 16 and 11 they've won 16 games and chris look Uh, at
2: who they have on the floor in those moments that's the thing to me i'm watching games now and it's late in the fourth and i'm looking out on the floor and i'm like wait a minute they've got nimhart on the floor they've got Matherin on the floor, Halliburton when he's healthy, obviously, and Neesmith. I mean, you're talking about four guys that realistically should be within like maybe a year removed from being college basketball players, realistically, yeah.
6: right? Yeah, yeah. Halliburton and Neesmith are 22 years old in their third year. Um, the two first guys you mentioned are, mentioned are rookies. So you're right. You're out there in in clutch situations trying to win a game uh, with some young guys, and that's experience that, that you just put in the vault and save. And uh, it's been good to see them be so successful this year. It's only going to help them in the future, uh, being able to book all this kind of uh, uh, stuff in your resume as you're getting ready for the rest of your career.
1: Chris I, I know it, you've got many many games between now and then but one of my favorite things late May every year is sitting in Stan Jay coming up having a word with you in turn four before the start of the Indianapolis 500 did you see yesterday's news on the 2024 entry of Kyle Larson into the Indianapolis 500
6: yes I think we've all been waiting for somebody to do the double right and uh you know it's tough but yeah that that's going to be cool to see I mean he's a guy that. I think many people thought years ago would be an open wheel racing and you know like a number of guys do like Tony Stewart did back in the day and Jeff Gordon they they routed themselves to NASCAR but that'll be absolutely outstanding uh, to to see Kyle Larson at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway uh, for the indianapolis 500
1: okay so there's 200 laps in the race over under 185 that jake query steps over you from turn turn three to turn four.
6: <laughs> oh no jake jake you know it, it's funny because i'm the guy
1: that just don't get me politically blends, correct give me honesty no, here
6: no I, i'm the guy that just blends in for a race here and there and and people have asked us how do you guys do it well we do a little bit of practice right jake on carburetion we do Day, but it's just a feel that we have and, you know, there's a, a certain point that Jake will drop him off. And if Jake needs to go a little bit more, that's fine. You know, that's, I mean, we have 200 laps, right? We we can't be perfect, uh, all 200. We, we try to be as close as we are, but uh, it's, it's, a, it's a thrill to do that every now, year. Now, this and, will
2: stun Kevin, Chris, but I want you to back me up here. I'm not saying I do it every time, but if I carry them too long and drop to you too late out of sequence... I try to then get on the intercom and apologize to you. And I do uh, that occasionally, oh. right? Oh, no question, Jake. Okay, my bad. My bad. Uh, yeah, see?
1: Mark, does he want credit for his apology? Ultimate team player. Is uh, that what you're ultimate hearing Ultimate team mm-hmm. player. Yeah. Give me uh,
2: a pat on the back, please. Right. <laughs>
3: uh,
2: who is the broadcaster of the year hey, here? Uh, that is true, but I love me some me.
3: <laughs> Chris, in all
1: seriousness, congrats. You know, I've been fortunate to know you for... Gosh, 25, 30 years now, and uh, you've been a class act in our interactions from day one. So, uh, well, well well-deserved and looking forward to the next couple nights here, which should be a couple fun nights inside of Gaybridge Fieldhouse, even without Tyrese Halliburton.
6: Yeah, atmosphere has been great. Uh, Hats off, as Jake said. We do this because the fans, you know, follow us. But the fans in the building have been just sensational. The last month, uh, the building's been electric in six straight wins, Uh, They're trying for seven straight home wins, so six straight home wins. The Pacers have not won seven straight at home since, I think, 2015. Wow. So they've got a real chance to do that tonight. It'll be a fun night at uh, Cambridge Fieldhouse.
1: 7 o'clock, the tip. Coverage begins at 6.30. We're on Bally Sports. Chris, have a great call. All right. Thanks, guys. That is the broadcaster of the year, sportscaster of the year, I believe. Um, Right there, Chris Cineri on the Payless Liquors Hotline. 6 o'clock, last word for the Colts. 6.30, our radio coverage. 10.30,
2: Indiana Sports Talk tonight. By the way, Rob Nikovich right now on one of the networks, they're talking about who should pursue Derek Carr. And guess who stop he it. says.
3: Just stop it. And then Kevin started dry eating. No. <laughs> guess who he
1: says. No. Let's go back to talking about Luke Heron Goody, <laughs> if we're going to talk <laughs> about We should this.
2: go back to talking about the fact that Mark's wearing his PBR shirt. <laughs> I am. On the well, heels Well, let's talk yesterday. about PBR parties and hey, whatnot. Listen. I, I would we need a shotgun about
1: 17 the, PBRs if you tell me Derek Carr has been traded the to the The
2: PBR party is
3: starting to sh- take form, I'm telling you. People are getting psyched. So what is happening at the PBR party? Is we just, we just sit beer? around and watch the Well, we're not going to tell people. I mean, you know. What happens if gonna get at the PBR, and PBR party? Stammered in the PBR Luke Herringo
1: is my hero.
2: <laughs> we're gonna play pin the mullet on Luke Herringo. <laughs> Give me that 44 me
3: second for his jersey <laughs> number at Notre Dame. This the concept for Benedict <laughs> Mathurin statue. Stick with me here. That's Bronze right. everywhere. <laughs> That's right. No, I, I think no well, on Derek Carr. No. I think you, you, you were kind of interested in him last year, though. But more the Matt Ryan thing that
1: happened. financial commitment. Oh, yeah. Is extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I, again, I think he's a fine quarterback, but enough is enough. And as I mentioned earlier, it's what, 31 million next year and then north of 40 million I think in 2024, we've also 2025?
2: Learned, we've also learned that this roster is not a quarterback away. Right. If agreed. they were a quarterback yeah. away, then mm-hmm. yes, they're not.
3: Yeah. yeah, there's too many holes that you need to use your draft pick and You know for. what?
1: It was important for Chris Bauer to say that earlier in the week. And he did. And I'm sure that took a little bit of... You know, difficulty for him to admit that, but that is accurate with how the Colts' 4-12 and one season went. Speaking of the Colts, let's lead off the morning checkdown with a head coaching list update.
0: The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
1: All right, Jake, as we talk on this Friday morning, the Colts have had three head coaching interviews. Bubba Ventrone, their special teams coordinator, on Wednesday. And then yesterday, two from the AFC West. Jero Averro, the defensive coordinator of the Broncos. And then last night, Eric Bieniemy. Um, the offense coordinator of the Chiefs. Do you find it interesting at all that BNMB's name has only been rumored within Indy this cycle of the five well, teams?
2: Well, he was one that I don't know that we necessarily knew they were bringing him in, and then all of a sudden Jim Merce just kind of dropped that, right? Um, you know, he is interviewed as a head coach for a head coaching position at nearly half of the league, and I'm not saying that is hyperbole. That's reality. 15 of 32 teams. It's uh, crazy. Yeah, so do I find it? a – I don't know if they have interviewed him in past coaching cycles, but doesn't surprise me they brought him in because he's been highly thought of. He had some...
1: And the Ballard connection, of course. Yeah, and he's too. had
2: some indiscretions in the past, but as I talked about earlier, um, you know, he was a younger man then. That was a long time ago, and everybody deserves a chance and to, to show that they can be the guy. And he has been highly thought of for a long time
1: so reportedly on the schedule for today Raheem Morris the defense coordinator of the Rams I like him a lot Ben Johnson mentioned some Brad Steven, Stevens vibes there the OC from the Lions and then tomorrow Shane Steichen who ironically comes from the Frank Reich Nick Sirianni tree Steichen the OC in Philly his quarterback resume includes Philip Rivers, Justin Herbert for a year and Jalen Hurts so some interesting names
2: there for Shane Steichen what
3: Hit the button too quick. That's okay. okay.
2: Uh, NBA tonight. Pacers at the Fieldhouse hosting the Atlanta Hawks. Again, as Kevin had mentioned, that's a 7 o'clock. Tip pregame begins at 6.30. Last night in college basketball, Purdue-Fort Wayne over IEPY 70-55. It was Southern Indiana over Little Rock 74-67. And in college basketball tonight... Purdue hosting Nebraska, 7 o'clock tip, and it is Butler at the same time hosting Villanova at Hickory Fieldhouse.
1: For Purdue, it'll be a rematch from kind of a clunky one earlier in the season in Lincoln, Purdue was able to win that game in overtime. Zach Eady only had 11 points in that first matchup with Nebraska. That is actually a season low for Eady. He did have 17 boards and 7 blocks in that one. Here was Matt Painter yesterday on Seeing Nebraska Again
2: the thing that probably jumps out more than anything is probably their 19 offensive rebounds you know they you know they, they did a great job of getting on the glass and you know they took some tough shots they drive in they took some tough threes and with that you sometimes you have some rebounds that just aren't traditional and you got to be able to get them and uh, i think that's going to be a big key in our game is, is trying to keep them out of the lane because a lot of their penetration gets them to the free throw line a lot of their penetration sets up other guys on their team for open shots so so being able to, you know, keep the ball in front of us and also be able to to rebound. The ball. Scotty's walked into the studio. It's you know free, what that means? It's Freebie Friday. That's right.
1: Pop quiz coming up next. Again, I take a look at the answers. Seems rather manageable for a Friday. <laughs> well, <laughs> so the word on Indy and not getting the AFC, and let's not say the stadium, Jake. That is getting the. AFC championship neutral site game if it is Chiefs and Bills the reason for that was a volleyball tournament correct scheduling conflict mm-hmm. so my question was what would have happened if the Colts
3: were hosting the AFC championship
2: boy that's an excellent question
3: do you think that got scheduled during the season where they're kind of hey, like Hey, oh, we're, we're bringing how this that 30,000 out. person <laughs> volleyball tournament
1: yeah, I mean, seriously wa- you can't I mean
3: you don't officially
1: the Colts were not officially eliminated from the playoffs until mid-December
3: yeah yeah, my wife asked that same question. She's like, would they have moved the volleyball to like the convention center or something? What would have happened? So I guess it's both. It's at the convention center and also at Lucas right. Oil. Yeah, they moving it fully you to the center. You can bet.
2: Listen. And the Monster Jam, I think, is on Monday. The, the Colts and Jim Irsay, I believe this is correct, they get a percentage of revenue for all non-football events at Lucas Oil Stadium as part of the lease agreement. I believe it's 40%. I, don't quote me on that. But that was agreed upon when the Colts stayed in Indianapolis and signed a 29-year agreement with the city. So you can bet that the Colts would have loved to have had the AFC Championship game here because it would have been a revenue windfall for them.
1: Uh, Someone from the Colts just texted me. Turney was scheduled for the convention center. They opened Lucas Oil for the tournament as well for spillover once the Colts got knocked out. Gotcha. Allows them to do some more games. That makes more sense. Yeah, would hotels
3: have been an issue too? That,
2: yeah, I mean,
1: you guys I mean,
3: know cer- certainly
2: hotels for Chiefs bills. Yeah, you know. with these, you know, softball in the summertime and then the volleyball. I mean, you see these kids and their parents oh, all over zoo. downtown. Yeah, it's a I zoo. mean, it's, a, it's great yeah. for the city. Yeah,
1: seven thousand, eight thousand hotels. Yeah, I mean, it's it seems like well, a pretty future good future.
3: Farmers take over jack. the town every Man. year. Yeah, I've no, always I, wanted
2: one of those jackets.
1: How can they I get gave one? one to
3: Terry
2: Stacy? When I was at IBC,
3: they we,
4: really?
2: I said on the air, I was like, I'd like one of those jackets. And they came in and gave one to Terry. What the hell is that all about? I'd be like you guys getting PBR and me getting shut out. Well, if it's not on draft, so you they wouldn't didn't you would have a, it away anyway. Sure, that's a good point. They didn't have like a JQ on the back of the <laughs> jacket for you? <laughs> With the little Indiana? Gosh. I just like the blue corduroy. Oh, it seems so warm. They do seem nice, don't they? They all rock them
1: very nicely. All you right. but have to Pop wear with
2: Wranglers, though. That part's a bit of a mismatch. <laughs> Pop quiz time.
1: Again, it is Freebie Friday here. Jiffy Loop oil change going to whoever becomes a contestant on the Pop quiz. 317 239 1070.
4: Life is so much more than a diagnosis, it's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy.
0: Have you studied? Can you handle the pressure? (laughs) Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the Pop Quiz with Kevin and Quarry. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985.
1: All right, it is time for our Friday Pop Quiz. Phone lines are packed. Freebie Friday, Jiffy Lube oil change. And I think rather manageable. Earlier in the week, we had someone, what, four for four? Jackson, yeah,
3: was rattling yeah, the was the, the right. guy
1: that, like, calls oncologists mm-hmm. and yet called our show.
5: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I just want to spread out well, my, he,
2: my experiences with intellectual people. Okay, here's the thing. A guy like that, he doesn't need the first half of our slogan, just the second. Our slogan being, Mark? Educate and entertain. Yeah, that's right. He doesn't need the first part of that. Just a second.
1: Scotty, I thought that uh, Wisconsin Indiana stat might have crept onto the pop quiz. I was at. Close to home. I think I was at the first game of that streak, Jake. And for those that missed it, Wisconsin has won 24 of 27 against Indiana in men's basketball. Brian Butch, remember that name? Oh, yeah. Banked in a three to I beat Kelvin Sam It might have been Samson's last game. One of his last games. Was that the. um,
2: And Assembly Hall, of course. Cullen Sampson didn't have Marco Killingsworth, did he? That was. I feel like that was the end of Davis. Davis, Right, yeah. 24 of 27. You know, Indiana did not lose to Wisconsin from 1980 to 1997. Wow, really? Yes.
1: Home, Home and away?
2: Correct. Gosh. So. (laughs)
1: <laughs> boy salt in wounds
2: all right uh you got a number uh we will go with you said luke herringody was 44 oh, i love all this so luke that's eight Goody you subtract my favorite player jay edwards at three so that gives you five let's go with number five how many we- career points do you think luke herringody scored in, co- in high school
1: where, where do you think high he's sc- on the high school list? or college let's go with high school andrean where do you think he is jake that kid from Wisconsin this week in a siege, and I looked that up, he's 10th on the all-time I'm going to say there.
2: Luke Herringote is 29th all-time. All right.
1: You bring on our guest, and I will okay. look it up.
2: I mean, I can tell you, um, Damon Bailey's, what, thirty one thirty four? Three 3,134, I think that's right. That's number one. And then Langford's third, I think, is Brody Boyd second, maybe? Wasn't Marion oh no, Pierce up there? Marion Pierce, thank you. That's who Bailey broke. Deshaun Thomas also might have passed Pierce. Alan Henderson and Brody Boyd are in the mix as well.
3: So number fives who we're going with? Yep. Chris. Chris, what's up?
2: Hey, how you doing? You know we're hanging, Chris. How about you? Uh, sitting out in my car watching it snow. Snow? Where are you? Uh, it is snowing a little bit. Uh, Fountain Square. Really? Okay. Ah,
1: Chris, what's your favorite establishment in Fountain Square?
6: Probably got to be a shout-out to the Red Lion Grog House. I, ju- I was nice. just going to
2: say that, Chris. I had never been there. Uh, a week ago, I got a buddy that lives in Fountain Square. We went and had lunch, and I went there, and that was a good place, man. That's Chris, a really what good about place.
1: Sam Silver Circle? It's one of my favorites. It's all right. I work
6: over in Fountain Square at an apartment complex. So oh,
1: nice. I, uh, I used to live off Lexington
2: Avenue. Okay, yeah. We're right off of... Uh, Prospect. What's yeah. the burger place in Fountain Square that's themed around like '80s hair metal music? Court. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good place. K, yeah. Delicious, delicious. That's a really good place, man. uh Chris, would you like for me? That would be Jake, or for Kevin to lead you off with question number one? I'll go with you, Jake. All right. Well, one
1: more in on Fountain Square, if you don't, uh if you don't mind. Uh, sure. Andrew Luck's favorite restaurant over there, Siam Square. uh Maddie loves that as well. We really? actually got some takeout there. For that's the next a foodie go. place, right? Uh, just like Thai food. I mean, okay, nothing. Okay, not bad. Fifteen hundred points, by the way. Fifteen twenty-seven for Godey, Not yes, as many as I thought. That's right.
2: Uh, Chris, any reason why you picked me as opposed to Kevin to lead off with number one?
1: Just because I think you're quirky like me. I like that.
2: Well, All right, that here we go. Stroke real quick. Yeah, Question exactly. number one. Yeah,
1: feed the ego before the weekend
2: starts. Smart. Which which stadium? Which, by the way, was fairly devastated in terms of trying to put forth a good Super Bowl in Super Bowl thirty-four by a rare ice storm. Would actually host a potential Buffalo-Kansas City AFC Championship game this year? Would it be the Superdome in New Orleans, Ford Field in Detroit, NRG Stadium in Houston, or Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta?
6: We're going to go Detroit. Okay. How about another guess?
2: um, Atlanta. Okay. Okay. Is Mercedes-Benz Stadium the Georgia Dome, or is it totally different? Okay, the Super Bowl was in the Georgia Dome. My apologies. Uh, Number two here,
1: 50 years ago tomorrow, the Miami Dolphins beat the Washington Redskins 14-7 in Super Bowl VII to complete the only perfect season in NFL history. Name the team that lost by just one point to the Dolphins during Miami's perfect season. The Vikings, the Jets, the Bills, or the Chiefs? I'm going to go Vikings. These two teams will see each other on Sunday.
2: Vikings, okay. Question three. Who did the Dolphins beat in the 1972 AFC did Championship game? Did he not hear me? Game? <laughs> he, he did not. Yes, right. I heard you. did oh. Kansas. Um, uh, who, the, who, who's, who are they
1: playing? That is a good question, Chris. I thought you were going to cuss there for a second. Good job on <laughs> withholding yourself. <laughs>
6: I can't
2: think about it. I'm I'm at a loss right now. Chris needs
1: some whiskey from Hotel Tango over there in uh, Fountain Square. Question
2: three for you, Chris. The Dolphins in 1972 won the AFC Championship game to advance to Super Bowl VII. What team, who probably was still suffering a hangover from celebrating the Immaculate Reception, did they beat? The Raiders, Steelers, Browns, or Chiefs in the AFC title game? Okay. All right, Chris, number
1: four. This is about a 10-paragraph, so bear with me. Uh, Big nights by NBA players in last night's game. Luca had another triple-double, scoring 36 points. Damian Lillard had 50, and Joel Embiid had a 30-point-10 rebound effort and a loss to the Thunder while also going 10-for-10 from the foul line. It's the third straight game in which Embiid has had at least 30 points and 10 boards while shooting 100% from the foul line. Man, that's wild. Who else has had three straight games with 30 points, 10 rebounds, and a perfect 100% percentage from the foul line? Embiid, is he the first? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Dominique Wilkins, or the Big O? Old school,
2: Big O. Represent, Indy. All right, last question for you. Speaking of, Indy. Next season's NBA All-Star Game will be, of course, in Indianapolis at Cambridge Fieldhouse. Second time that Indianapolis has hosted the All-Star Game. They also did back in 85 at Market Square, when I believe Ralph Sampson was the MVP of the game. Uh, or at the Hoosier, I'm sorry, the dunk contest was at Market Square. Um, what other Indiana City, also known as the Summit City, has hosted and not only hosted the All-Star Game, but hosted the very first All-Star Game in Indiana? What city was it? Known as the Summit City. More- I'm gonna go with Fort Wayne, due to the Fort Wayne pistol. See, that's that's a smart call Look right at there. This here, right Chris. as the music ended.
1: You know what you're doing there. Alright, so let's see how Chris did. A little coaxing on number one, the host of a potential Buffalo, Kansas City AFC Championship game will be where.
3: Atlanta.
2: That is correct. You were waiting on me. Sorry, I yeah. thought Jake I
3: was off. Okay. Jake evening. was off in that's the clouds. Uh, number two here. Trying to figure uh, out his flight in July. That's again. right. <laughs>
1: the team that lost by just one point to the seventy two Dolphins during that perfect year. He went with the Vikings, and then yeah, I think he missed it. Right,
2: Buffalo Bills. <laughs> you it. blew it. <laughs>
3: You don't get to come back tomorrow. You don't
2: even get a lousy copy of our home game. You're a complete
3: loser. I don't think it's working.
1: See you in summer school.
3: Hey, everybody. Look who I found wandering around the halls. You'll never guess who Screech's cousin is. Hi, everyone. I hope I'm not too late. I'm Jim Harbaugh. Jim, you made it. Everyone's probably just a little bit confused because we look so much alike. But this is my cousin,
1: the real Jim Harbaugh.
2: God, God, so corny. Does that scene sum
1: up Jim Harbaugh?
2: Totally. He is kind of the screech of college football Coach. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, by the way, uh, in 1975. Did it just get really foggy? And it did get super foggy out. Fort Wayne for number five. Man, it is like... Really? Can you see the Riley Towers? No, no. Mm -hmm. Should the AFC title game be outdoors? uh, I mean, that's kind of hard to argue, isn't it? uh, I thought it should have been in Pittsburgh. It's halfway between the two, and it's Hamlin's hometown.
1: Someone was saying yesterday when NFL they announced it that this was the predetermined, you know, in case of emergency site. site, And it's also, I guess, somewhat equidistant oh, between the two cities, Adam. I, I don't know. I kind of wish it was outdoors. Rooftop bar in Fountain Square. You ever been there?
2: Oh yeah, it's fabulous. Another nice spot. Duck
1: pen bowling. Great. Good spot. The dugout. Great spot as well. Enjoyed my radio, couple radio. of years Have in you Fountain ever gone Square. To see sure. Live music sure. Radio, sure, radio? sure. Oh yeah. Um, all right. Let's do one final time. Give our wild card picks to round out the show. Close out the week. Jake, we had uh, Paul Cassaro on with us earlier in the week, UND men's basketball coach, 86-67 over Missouri. And as I th- thought I saw, uh, strength and conditioning. Or is the science and technology we decided. Science and technology. Last night down there at Nickerson Hall. And Nathaniel, who's in studio with us, calling the game tomorrow. So UND, 13-2 cool. and two on the year, ranked 24th in the nation. And a pretty good year for Paul Cassaro in year three at the helm by the way happy birthday is it 36th birthday oh good Jimmy that's right good Jimmy's birthday I did want to mention earlier um, we talked about it earlier in the week listener Matt um, his son Colton uh, heart procedure in the hospital earlier this week we're still thinking about him Um, definitely keeping the little guy in our thoughts and prayers um, sounds like a stay a little bit longer than they expected so thinking about Matt and Colton, his entire family, as they deal with that right now.
2: Uh, Full slate of games when it comes to the playoffs this weekend. It is always kind of fun when you look outside. The weather's like this, and it's like, just plunk down on the couch and watch some football, right? You know, and
1: I have to admit, you know, we were talking about AFC Championship game, neutral site in Atlanta. I did think to myself driving in, Jake, January 2015, last time Lucas Oil hosted a playoff game. Can, can you recall the opponent?
2: I bet I could. Hold on. Whew. Boy, Kansas City comes to mind. That was the year prior. Okay. January 2014, of
1: course, the comeback game. 2015, the Colts made the AFC Championship game, the deflate gate game. They won at Denver in the divisional round. To get to Denver, they beat who?
2: I'll go with Baltimore.
1: Mark Dykton? Boy, I'm trying to think. Low-scoring game. Andrew Luck to Dante Moncrief. Kind of a vintage Luck play. Was Chargers are also
2: in the oddly in my mind for some reason. This is a team
1: that just Patriots kind of defined their era with Marvin Lewis and Andy Dalton. Oh, well, the Bengals then.
2: I don't know that I have any memory of the Bengals coming here for a playoff game. A.J. Green,
1: Dalton, Marvin Lewis. Was Marvin. Lewis, was it 0-7 Marvin Lewis in playoff games? Yeah. Awesome.
2: I mean, they mm-hmm. just kept re-racking it, right?
1: So, yeah, it's been a while. Um, after that doom and gloom note by Kevin Bowen, let's focus on Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Um, again, two games Saturday, three on Sunday, and then Monday is Dallas and Tampa. Let's start with tomorrow, guys. 49ers and Seahawks. Chargers and Jags just to go over the lines on both of those for the, those that care. San Fran favored by nine and a half. The Chargers are a two and a half point road
3: favorite. Mark Dykton, who you like tomorrow? like the 49ers. I think they're, they've been great despite being on their third quarterback of the year. They've been really good especially at home. Give me the 49ers to top the Seahawks. And then the Chargers-Jaguars is a hard pick for me, but I'm going to go with the Chargers.
2: I hate to... Echo Mark, but but I agree with both of those. I, Jacksonville, Ooh, no, no Trevor Lawrence pick for you. No, Jacksonville played really well against the Chargers, and I like the way they're playing. Travis Etienne's kind of given them, I think, kind of a security blanket for Lawrence. But as you had mentioned, the Chargers are starting to get healthy. I do think the world of Justin Herbert's talent. They've got some big weapons. I could still root for Mike Williams, former Clemson wide receiver for the Chargers, but um, I like the Chargers there and. I said three wild card teams would win. So I'll take the Chargers as the first, and then looking at this, okay, yeah, I, I've got, I still can get to three. Seattle would have been one I would look towards, but I do think San Francisco's defense is going to hold on. I'm going to take Seattle to cover. Okay, Okay.
1: nine and a half. Take them to cover. Yeah, I would agree they'll probably cover that. Sounds like an ugly weather game. You know, rookie Kenneth Walker can Seattle run it a little bit, kind of play a low-scoring game there. Um, I will go with the Chargers, but I'm with Mark. I was really torn on that one alright moving to Sunday unfortunately two AFC games are really big spreads Dolphins at Bills that's a 13 pointer yeah. for Buffalo the night game is then uh, Cincinnati 9.5 over Baltimore backup quarterbacks for both those road teams and then Vikings Giants I think we all probably can agree on Buffalo and Cincinnati yes. yeah.
2: I think that's a game which is disappointing that's a game where by the fourth quarter Buffalo may be with their backup quarterback could well.
1: Baltimore yeah. hang in there
3: Maybe, but that's a big maybe. That's disappointing because both those matchups would be really good if they're at full strength at quarterback. Yeah, you're right. I know.
1: Um, I think I'm going to take Minnesota and let you two ride to the Giants. Okay,
3: that's fine.
2: I'll take the Giants. Yep. So there's my second road team in our two and a half over under. Just think.
1: Gosh, you got to think that offensive skill from Minnesota carries him at some point, and that's going to be a, just a rockets environment. Some stars, no doubt, it's going to be a great environment there. Um, all right, let's look at Monday: Cowboys and Bucks. The twelve and five Cowboys. Did I see last night correctly? I think it's eleven straight road playoff losses for Dallas mm-hmm. at Tampa Bay. That's the eight and nine Bucks. It is a two and a half point favorite
2: for America's team. America's team beats America's least-liked quarterback, Dallas wins. There's my third
3: road team. Well, I've been going with the Bucks all weekend and saying Mike McCarthy is going to be on the hot seat, and if they lose, they will be fired, so i got to roll with Tom Brady and the Bucks To send the Cowboys packing once again. I
2: agree if there's a quarterback that, I mean, there's something about Brady in the postseason. Dak has like, been really? off, too. Here we He's are. been off a lot lately. Kevin, your pick? Yeah,
1: he has struggled. Um You know, you guys obviously hold in high regard my Super Bowl pick from the start of the year. That would be Raiders-Cowboys.
3: i got to stick with Dallas, right? Well, do you? I mean, your Super Bowl winner was the Raiders. Are we rooting for T.Y. Hilton? He'll
2: have one catch for 23 yards. It'll be a big one. I'll go Cowboys. Brady's last game? No. No. Looking at it here, which of those matchups that we just described has the least expensive Entry ticket on the secondary market, and which has the most expensive entry level ticket? Yeah,
3: Least got expensive. I'm going to say Jaguar. You yeah, could be Chargers, Jags. I mean, Chargers fans would have to. I mean,
1: Chargers are not bringing any sort of road yeah. fans to the, that game.
2: Least expensive ticket right now Seattle at San Francisco. Really? Gosh, tickets tickets as low as so $69. Well. The Chargers nice. and Jags, $89. Okay.
3: Gronk well, will be at that game probably then. Oh, okay. Most expensive? Most expensive? Uh-huh. Cowboys Bucks. Yeah, I would say that. I one. guess whichever has the smallest venue probably.
2: Cowboys Bucks tickets starting as low as $170. There is Ooh. another matchup that tickets are starting at $189.
3: Bengals Ravens.
2: That is correct. Do we have the Bengals fight song? We should play the Bengals fight song for that.
1: Looking ahead to the Colts head coaching search coming up. Do you not know the Bengals I fight song? I know it.
2: It's a flatulent Bengal.
1: Again, three <laughs> interviews see. so far. Bubba Ventrone on Wednesday. Yesterday, Ejiro Averro, the D coordinator for the Broncos. Eric Bienemy last night, the Chiefs offensive coordinator. Coming up today, reportedly Raheem Morris, the defensive coordinator from the Rams. Ben Johnson, the offense coordinator for the Lions, and then tomorrow Shane Steichen, the offense coordinator for the Eagles. So I did want to sneak in here late, Jake. Uh, nice win for the IU women last night. They beat Maryland, top
2: 10 matchup yeah. in Assembly Hall. Continue to play well. Somebody sent me think, said, Indiana's got themselves a top 10 basketball team. Is right. Here we go. Here's the flex on
1: We did not hear this when the Colts-Bengals played back in that last game, last playoff game of Lucas Hall. The tuba doesn't
3: get enough respect in the musical instrument category. <laughs> Nor Tuba, please. <laughs> Buddy of mine married into a big Bengals
1: family. I've enjoyed getting to know their fandom throughout the year. I think the Bengals have a little underrated
2: fan base. Man, I saw a lot of Pete Johnson, Archie Griffin, Isaac Curtis, Kenny Anderson games back in my childhood.
1: Uh, tonight again, along with the Pacers and Hawks, you've got Purdue and Nebraska, 7 o'clock from Mackey. The Boilers favored by over two touchdowns in that one. Butler and Villanova at Hinkle Butler, a slight favorite against Kyle Neptune. Insert your planet joke here, Jake. I know you're thinking it in that one.
2: Uh, Butler, Butler's got to get something going here. So why not start it tonight? I guess right because they they've been struggling. I
1: think as well. Villanova's lost four or five, and the one win is the Big East free space you know game we talked about. Do you know
2: what they're hoping Neptune brings them? By the way, should we
3: end it now? Could we rings? I thought there was going to be a Uranus joke in there. Or something. <laughs> Mark would have gone there. That's now, didn't they get That's rings
1: fine. with Jay Wright?
3: Um,
2: yeah, did you drive a Saturn? Everybody have a great weekend. We'll have a show on Monday. See you.